welcome. Can everybody hear me? Hello? Can everybody? Okay. Uh, I'm the HELD director. Uh, it looks like we have about 8,615 of you newbies today. And for those of you who were a little confused, uh, you are dead and this is HELL. So abandon all hope and uh, yada yada yada. Uh, we're now going to start the orientation process, which will last about... Hey, wait a minute. I shouldn't be here. I was a totally strict and devout Protestant. I thought we went to heaven. Yes, well, I'm afraid you were wrong. I was a practicing Jehovah's Witness. Uh, you picked the wrong religion as well. Well, who was right? Who gets into heaven? I'm afraid it was the Mormons. Yes, the Mormons were the correct answer. So now I'd like to quickly introduce your new ruler and master for eternity, Satan. Now you are all part of my domain. I keep forgetting that you have the internet now because you didn't for the longest time. Like you would go home for the weekend and then you would come on Monday and I could surprise you with stuff. I cried happy tears yesterday. Okay. Whatever. You know that was my first concert. I do. 80,000 people. Yep. Last uh, row of the kingdom. Here's how old I am. I have a friend of mine, uh, my same age, who worked security at that show. Because he was, I think he was 19 or 20, and he worked the front row. I mean, he was like at, like at the lip of the stage. Uh, working security, and he said it was the loudest single thing. He's not just the loudest show, but th th that new Kids on the Block concert, which would have been what, like 89? I think so, 89, 89 or 90. 90. He said it was not just the loudest show, but actually the loudest noise of any kind at all that he had ever heard. I mean, I saw Metallica and Guns N' Roses there, and that was loud, but that didn't have... I mean, nobody shrieks... Here's an awkward statement. Nobody shrieks like a small child. Uh, nobody screams like a small girl at a concert like that. Oh, especially when you're in fifth grade covered in Donnie Wahlberg buttons and expecting <laughs> to be the one called up when they sing, please don't go girl. <laughs> I knew it Were you heartbroken that it wasn't you? I was so mad at that girl. I still remember what she was wearing. And they all gave her roses and they're singing to her. And yeah. Whatever. She did you have, Did you wear the big button, like the huge button inside of a plate? Huge, I had the huge uh, group button. I also had a giant Donnie Wahlberg button because he's my favorite. My sister's favorite was Joey McIntyre. Okay. So she had the same group button, but the big Joey one as well. How would you and we all wear matching shirts, and we still have a picture of all of us getting ready to go. I'm wearing bright pink leggings and a big black Nukas on the Block t-shirt. Of course you are. And we all have matching outfits on covered in buttons. Do we get to see that photo someday? Oh, yeah. No, I'll, I'll, I'll ask my mom to send it to me. Excellent. It's the cutest thing ever. Wonderful. Let me ask you this. What would your emotions have been if uh, your sister Heather had been called up and not you? I, would you, you know, have been more happy or pissed? You, oh, I would. You think I would have been happy? I'm a fifth grade girl who thinks they're going to pick me. I'm just saying. I mean, what if they had picked somebody next to you? 
I would have probably gone up in her place. I would have pretended to be <laughs> punched her in the face. <laughs> yeah. It's me! All right. Uh, why, hello, it's five minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 and this... The month of January, in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming by, making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious, studios of AM 970. Uh, Solid State Radio, it is Monday. And uh, welcome to Day 12. Thank you for coming along. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. With your comments, your questions, your clarifications, your observations on the celestial kingdom, whatever. Uh, 503-733-2970. 2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, or, uh, you know, whatever you got. It's 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com, uh, sarah at 970.am, tim at 970.am, or Richie with a T at 970.am. As we were just, we were talking about this uh, right as the uh, show began to start, that I thought... See, you went through a long period, though, when you didn't have the Internet at your house. For like a year. And so we would come in Monday morning, and I would get to spring stuff on you and then see the expression of happy surprise on your face. Um, but I saw that... Uh, I forget what I was doing yesterday. I was online somewhere, and I saw some new kids on the block to reunite uh, headlines. <laughs> and you are the first person I thought of. That's how that's how much you warped me. <laughs> that you were the first thing that came to my mind when I saw it. And it was like... A, and the picture... Did, it was somebody's blog. And it was somebody had posted a big blog entry about the new kids on the block. And it was illustrated with just this huge picture of Donnie Wahlberg. Just oh. a huge, back when he was when his, uh, in his stage where he was wearing the shirt that said Homeboy. Oh, and he had the most horrible <laughs> hair. And I had the Donnie doll. Yeah, of course you did. Yeah, and it had a little hat. and it had The leather pork pie hat. Of, yeah, and it had this little piece of um, like fake hair coming out of the back for his tail. Yeah. Sexy. All right. Isn't, yeah, he, isn't he all emaciated and weird looking now? He's really creepy looking. He's, he's like balding and he has these little squinty eyes. <laughs> I was trying to find a picture of him, but instead I found one of Danny Wood. I'm like, imagine oh, he's this the, guy dancing no, around. He's the, no, he's the truly ugly one, though. Danny Wood is really the yeah, unpleasant that's what he one. that's looks like now. Oh, wow, that's terrible. Yeah, he's yes. aged poorly. I'm like, imagine this guy dancing around stage. He'll end oh. up at Dr. Drew's rehab. <laughs> totally. Him and that guy with the huge head from Color Me Bad. Oh, I think Jeff Conaway threw up on the trash bin over the weekend from that show. What, really? Yeah. I've quit watching it because I find it too horrifying. Yeah. Yeah? I find it too off-putting. I will tell you, though... Uh, pardon me. Uh, we will be doing a little 10-minute interview with uh, Dr. Drew this coming uh, Thursday, though. Okay. He's uh, been on Tyra, like, every morning. Man, he's on fire. He really is. He's that guy's everywhere. He, I, I think he realized uh, that with the departure of Adam Carolla from Loveline, uh, like, the star to which he was hitching his success vanished and uh, went to KLSX, and so he was going to have to do something else. So I think that's why he... And I don't even know who oh, co-hosts. been around for over 20 years. He's Drew? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I mean... I, I mean, mean, back in the old days of K-Rock in the, in the mid-'80s. Oh, I'm a, I mean, I'm a big... I'm a Dr. Drew fan. I really am. I just... I think he realized that... Uh, I, I think with... Because I don't even know who hosts Loveline anymore. I mean, don't call and tell me. I don't care. I just... That's how little that show was on my radar or anyone's. I just... Uh, ever since... When Corolla left Loveline, I think they brought in... Um, Jesus, Ricky Rackman, maybe? Yeah. I think they brought in Ricky Rackman, who... 
He went to KLSX, and Boy. then he, he got fired for beating up somebody. And he said, Ricky Rackman? Yeah. Oh, what are the odds of that? Boy, somebody God. made a comment that his girlfriend was a hooker, even though it was true. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, you was a hooker? Yeah. Hooker. hooker. You, you want to talk about a guy that just lucked his way into an entire career. Sarah probably doesn't really know who Ricky Rackman is. Cars now. Ricky Rackman was a uh, he was a club owner in Los Angeles. He uh, owned he owned half of a rock club called the Cat House. And uh, the other half was owned by a guy named Tammy Down from Faster Pussycat. Anyway, so he owned this club called the Cat House, where uh, where, where a lot of sort of sunset uh, sunset strip bands would come and play. Guns N' Roses played there, Motley Crue played there, and it was it was sort of like a like a Sabalas kind of vibe. It was like for rock guys, by rock guys. Ricky Rackman though owned this club in Los Angeles. <clears throat> And so when MTV's Headbangers Ball was looking for a new host, because Adam Curry had been doing it, blah, 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 they needed some other guy. So they were had these open auditions to host Headbangers Ball. Ricky Rackman had the best job interview gimmick ever. And this is in 1988, probably, when they were the biggest band in the world. Ricky Rackman shows up for his interview with Axl Rose. Uh, he just he he shows up for his interview at MTV and he says, "Hey, I'm here to interview for that job on Headbangers Ball." Oh, and look, I brought my best friend Axel Rose with me, and that's what got him the gig. And so he got this gig hosting Headbangers Ball on MTV, and then they gave him the boot in like '92, '93, something like that. And then I don't know what he did after that, but then he went back to KLSX, and I think he yeah, and he hosted Loveline for a while after Adam Carolla left, and then it was like a rotating series of guys. And I want to say that Joe Rogan was doing it for a while, but I might be wrong about that. Well, whatever. Anyway, it's a long, pointless sidetrack for no reason. Uh, so we'll talk to Dr. Drew what this, uh, this on Thursday, I Ooh. believe. So, All right. Uh, here's what's coming up today, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and all these ships of sea. Lisa Desjardins will join us uh, from Washington, D.C. today. I guess there's some State of the Union address tonight that uh, no one will watch and even fewer people will care about. Uh, but coming up, what is it, the Florida primary tomorrow? I think it's I think it's tomorrow. Maybe it is tomorrow. I think the I think the Florida primary, it, which will wash Rudy Giuliani out of our hair once and for all. I think that's going to be tomorrow. Uh, anyway, so we'll talk to Lisa about that. Uh, Peter Carlin from the Oregonian joining us uh, later on today in the program. Uh, double snuff watch coming up today. Uh, what else? A Britney watch. Uh, we have some movie passes that you may or may not even care about. I'm just going to be really honest about that right now. These are run of engagement passes for. Rambo. Which one? Uh, the, the the new one. Uh, Rambo 4, but I think they're just calling it Rambo. I could try to... And look, I'm not a snob. I'm no elite. As Max Fisher would say, I'm no elitist. I just don't care. That's the thing. And I've seen the first three... Realize now that you are listening to him. I have seen all 11 Friday the 13th films. I'm unashamed. I have really relentlessly lowbrow taste in many ways. I just don't care about this Rambo film. And I know that I know that there is a sequence where he literally punches a guy's head off. Even that is not enough to make me care. So these are run of engagement passes, by the way, which I think means you can use them whenever you want. Whenever. I would suggest that that time be soon. So otherwise, otherwise this will really... Otherwise, the only thing this is going to be good for is just rolling and separating. You know what I mean? All right. Uh, anyway, so uh, Rambo passes today. Britney Watch, Double Snuff Watch, Lisa Desjardins, uh, and a bunch of uh, random crap plus your phone calls. 503-733-2970. Uh, Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification today. So you see, finally it did snow on the west side. As a matter of fact, I saw some snow in the parking lot here. It uh, forced the closings of school today. It's the worst thing a Republican can say. Both John McCain and Mitt Romney are calling each other liberals. Horrified. 
Americans can rejoice that Al Sharpton vows to remain quiet for a while. Really? Rudy Giuliani is heard speaking. ABC faces a possible $1.4 million FCC fine for showing a fair woman's buttocks on NYPD Blue shocking the nation and destroying the lives of children. Uh, the president of a famous religion is dead. So far, the only show this year highlighting the glamour of Hollywood is the SAG Awards. We'll take you there. That was last night. All right. Excellent. Uh, well, let's see. Hold on a second. <coughs> I really have deduced that there's something in the studio, or maybe just this side of the I room. I only sneeze in the studio. I, uh, it, my voice is fine. I got nothing. I don't mean to be grossing everybody out by coughing and hacking and whatever. It, I just, I, I'm fine, and then I walk into this room in the morning. Maybe it's like a psychosomatic thing. Yeah. Maybe this is like that episode of MASH where Hawkeye was sneezing, and it's because he remembered drowning his cousin or whatever, and he was 10. I just walk into here, and immediately I start going, eh. So I apologize for that. What can you do? Uh, joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dylan Why? Hello. Hello. How are you today? I'm doing fabulously today, although I didn't ride my bike. That's okay. Because Wait, there was snow on the ground. Freaking snow and ice and whatever. Yeah, I was just cold. And... That's okay. I didn't, you know, and I really, I know this sounds like a line because I've cheated the retarded out of like $9,000. I really was going to ride my bike today, but then I had to get up, at, I had to take Max to get his hair cut, uh, and then I had to pick him up right after work at the haircutting place, and he can't really ride in a basket on the front of my handlebars. So, sadly, that's, and I felt like a terrible parent because he's just been, yeah, Muppet's he's just way like overdue. Yeah, Muppet's a huge buzzball right now. And I try to lie to myself, well, it's winter, he needs his coat to be long. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and really, I'm just lazy. And it's just all, he's just all, and he looks, and he just looks all sad. Like, he looks at hello, other dogs That's have real worst, haircuts. That's like, bring your dog to a place, and then they look so upset when you leave. It's like, it's oh, yeah. coming back. It's oh, such I know. a Muppet of separation oh, anxiety. I know, I know. And I was walking out the door today at the, the haircutting place, and Max was like, she was picking him mm-hmm. up, and the big the big butch woman was picking him up and putting him in the can. He's like looking over her shoulder like, hello, I, are you leaving? I, uh, sorry, I ate that stuff. Come on, come back. And he's like, I'm sorry. So blueberries on your floor. Yeah, totally. No, no, look away. Anyway. I was going to actually bring Muppet in today, too. but Yeah, and I was... Yeah, well... But not so much. He's right. still a big festival. All right. Um, okay. <laughs> are, I was, you, are you thinking No, I was going to say something. I was going to say something, and then I decided not to do it. That's okay. okay. I'm going to move on ahead. All right. Yeah, that was... Uh, I'm going to ask you, I'm just going to ask you, I'm going to ask you something maybe during the next break. Okay. I'm going to make an observation during the next break, and then I will let you decide whether or not I can make the observation on the air. Okay. The only thing I'm going to say. All right. La, la, la. Okay. Oh, and I've been watching, um, yesterday I watched seven episodes of Twin Peaks, because I I only have the VCR. Well, that's the scene, but uh, we were just talking about this at the top of the hour, that... The VHS and DVD age has just made me so spoiled that now it's just torture waiting week to week for a new episode of a series to come out. So I'm watching The Wire right now, and uh, we're four episodes in. And The Wire, I mean, I'm saying for me, it's, just, it's the best thing on television. It's just so good. And it, it, The Wire is so good that, like with many shows, probably like you with Lost, uh, that even as the episode is playing, you're already... Like preemptively being sad when it's over, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I would like if they gave me all 22 episodes of The Wire or whatever it is, all 20 hours. I would gladly stay up for an entire day without sleep and watch the entire season. I mean, I that's it, what I did with Lost. I literally did not sleep <clears throat> to watch all three of those seasons. Oh. And it's just and so I'm watching it last night and I'm about 20 minutes in and I'm already sort of getting anxiety about when it's going to be over. That it's then going to be a whole week. Uh, until the next episode, so in any event, um, I, you don't watch it in like five minute increments. No, but I get into so so I go back and I but I watch it multiple times. I'll watch every episode, like when an episode of The Wire comes out between Sunday to Sunday, I'll watch it two or three times because it's that good and it's almost and and, and plus then it's like I get it, then it's like having a new episode. Um, 
So a, a couple of things, uh, not television related. Just I, I went on a movie uh, watching spree this weekend, and I, Tim reminded me of this. He's talking about the SAG Awards. So I saw the following films this weekend. Uh, I saw No Country for Old Men, which is boy, is that violent? Boy, is that just a whole lot of? I promised you it would be. I mean, well, Tim uh, got to watch it because because you're a SAG member. Yeah. And he was so Tim got to watch it, and it's, you got about five minutes into it. I can't take it any longer. Joni and I have had this discussion about when you're making a film, there's this thing that Boz Lerman talks about called making a contract with the audience, which is early in the film, you express to the audience what kind of movie they're about to watch. Where you sort of let them know off the bat, like, this is the nature of this film. And man, I got to tell you, you're not even two or three minutes into that movie and just the horrific things start happening. I mean, it's a great film, don't get me wrong, but I mean, boy, it's... That movie, No Country for Old Men, which is the Coen, and I don't typically like Coen Brothers films. They kind of grate on me most of the time, but it's really well done. It's it's pretty great. Um, but the entire movie is just one long string of horrible events strung together by, like, rednecks chewing on straw. And about every nine minutes, they start that ramp up to the next horrible thing happening. And you just, you, it's not like a gory film as such, but it's that, that sort of brutal violence that just hurts to watch. Where you just and there is this. I made this note to myself. I won't give it away, obviously, but I made this note to myself that there is this one fantastic moment toward the end of No Country for Old Men, and it's one of those moments that is, I guess, sort of horrible, but it comes out of nowhere, and it's this. It's this sort of horror where, as soon as the horrible thing happens, you sort of you sort of laugh because you realize that the filmmakers just completely and totally got you at that moment. Like, you realize that they sort of laid out a trap, and then they sprung it, and they just absolutely nailed you with something that you were not expecting. And you, it's, it's like in a horror film when a really strong jolt comes out of nowhere, and you sort of scream, and then you laugh. Mm. Because it's sort of an acknowledgement of, like, how badly they just pulled you in and then surprised you. And there's this <laughs> like moment... Like the end of the mist. Exactly. There, there, and there's a moment like that in No Country for Old Men Toward the End where it just kind of comes out of nowhere. And you and I, I literally sort of, like, in the seat, I sort of, like, stood up and went, Wah-ha! And, and ju- there were actually, I think, three different moments of that movie where I, and I must have been irritating people, where I was actually just kind of going, wow, Jesus, you know, and like because the unfolding horror of what you're seeing. Speaking of unfolding horror, let's move on to the second movie I watched this weekend, which was There Will Be Blood. <laughs> Jesus, is that a fantastic film? Yep, that you. movie is unbelievable. Yep. With Daniel Day-Lewis, who I see won the SAG Award for Best uh, Actor. Mm-hmm. Boy. That guy is just brilliant. Oh, man. That's a great movie. I mean, it, it's really surprising. Oh, and it, it's not really what you think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. It's it's not like it's full of twist endings or anything, but you just don't... I guess you don't really know what it's going to be, except that it's about an oil drilling baron in the late 1800s. But it's really, really good. It's intense. And there is... And I'm not... I won't give any spoilers, obviously, but there's a sequence of, about halfway through where one of the oil derricks catches on fire. There is this whole seven or eight or nine minute sequence where they're just trying to put out a fire on an oil derrick that is like one of the most intense things I've ever seen in my life. I mean, it just builds and builds and builds and you cannot believe how long Paul Thomas Anderson, the director, is just stretching out this moment (laughs) and you just can't believe how he's just ratcheting it up and you get more and more tense and you kind of don't realize it until the whole movie, until that whole sequence of the film is over. And that scene ends... And then you kind of do the thing of going, and realizing that you had just been sitting up and, like, every muscle had been tense. So Daniel Day-Lewis is fantastic, though. He's really good. 
Uh, and it took me a little while to figure out where his voice comes from, because he has that weird accent that he talks with. In, in movie fans in the house will know who I'm talking about when I say John Houston. He sounds just like the actor John Houston, who I think was in The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, uh, and he was in uh, um, uh, Chinatown. So uh, Daniel Day-Lewis is really pretty exceptional in this film. Also a film filled with unexpected moments of brutal violence, by the way. There's, <laughs> there's a moment... There's he saw a, a lot of bloody movies. Dude, there's a, and I ended it on an, on an up, though, which I'll tell you about in a second. Please tell me you saw Juno. No, ah. no, I didn't. No, that's still on the list, though. I gotta see that and Gone Baby Gone this week. Those are the other two on my list. There's, but I will tell you this: in there will be blood. It's a whole movie about the oil mining industry, of course. You know, with the guys digging down and getting oil and fighting over the land and whatever. And so I don't. It won't come as a big shock to tell you that there are a couple oil drilling accidents, and and just where they. And again, they're not graphic. They're not bloody. It's not like he makes you watch a guy get squashed or something. But just a couple. You know what I mean when you talk about they give you enough justice to stir the imagination. That, that's what I'm saying. Have you ever seen a movie where there's violence that is maybe not incredibly graphic, but it's violence that you can feel? Where you see it happen on the screen, and even if it's a thing that's never happened to you, you somehow know exactly what it feels like. I remember seeing a movie one time where a guy got one of his teeth knocked out with a hammer. Where, where, the, where the guy, like... You don't just blurt that out. His, his mouth was open, and it was like one of his front teeth, like one of his buck teeth, and it was like, bam, and they just dinged it right out with a claw hammer. Let me tell you right now, full disclosure, I've never had any of my teeth knocked out with a hammer, but watching that movie, I knew exactly what it felt like. So it is with um, There Will Be Blood. Guy gets beamed right on the side of the head with an oil drilling bit, and you, and, and, and which literally, I think, falls out of the sky. And you're watching it, and you just kind of go, Wah! and you pull back from the screen because it hurts. Um, let's see. Finally, so I watched No Country for Old Men. I watched There Will Be Blood. And finally, I watched uh, this, a really beautiful film, which many people, in the course of one week, Susan Reynolds, uh, our friend Patrick Rochelle, who was the narrator for Ebenezer, I Barely Knew Her, and uh, Fat Boy had all told me about this movie called Once, which is really pretty exceptional. Um, it's uh, Have you seen that? Have you seen Once? Mm -mm. It's really good. Um, it uh, came out, I think it came out about six or seven months ago, and it's about Who's kind it? of a romance between two street musicians in Ireland. Um, it, it, it doesn't have I any, remember, I read about it, but yeah. It doesn't have any stars it. in it. It was made for like 150 grand. The guy who plays the male street musician, the only thing, he's the lead singer for The Frames, and he, was, he had a small part in the Commitments movie in 91. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of a musical in the sense that they're both musicians, um, but it is about this weird relationship, this weird sort of love affair between uh, between a male street musician and a female musician. And it's really beautiful. I mean, really legitimately just sweet and charming and not cloying, not corny, not sappy, just... I mean, if you really, if you love music, or if you've ever made music, or if you love people who do, it really is exceptional. You you ought to see it. And the soundtrack is amazing. Oh, cool. So, um... I haven't seen a lot of new movies, especially since, you know, the whole VCR thing. I've yeah. been watching a lot of old ones. I just watched Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. That's a great that film. That is an amazing movie. Yeah, Clint Eastwood doesn't really make bad films. Yeah. I don't think he His could make... daughter is gorgeous, Oh, too. yeah. Yeah, she is. Yeah, that's kind of a whole absurdly blessed family. All right, uh, let me just go through some of these notes that I made for the weekend, and then we'll get to, we'll get calls here in a second. We'll break. We've got Lisa Desjardins coming up. Uh, you're st I have this Sarah staring that? at this. Okay, I have this package in my hand. This is um, 
a package of Uniball pens that I bought at Office Depot. Without pens. No, here, well, because the pens are already uh, the pens are already up on my desk. Here's why I have this. Uh, now you know I have this great pen that Dave Zinn gave me, uh, and you know I'm a man who really appreciates the value of a good pen. I really like you know. Then they quit making the Pilot pen that I use, that Pilot V5 Ultra Fine Sharpie. They quit making that, and so I've been on the hunt for a different kind of ballpoint pen to use. So Dave Zinn suggests this pen, and it's the Uniball Signo 207 Micro. You know, we did, I used it. I loved it. It was great. It's that one that I love, but that always kind of comes apart in my hand. Mm-hmm. This one right here. But I love it enough that I decided to go buy more. So I go to the store. Um, I buy this whole box of pens. And then as I'm reading the back, I'm sorry, I have to turn down the heat. Hold on. You do, it's cold in here, Rick. Aren't you hot? No, and this is all I have to wear. All right. Fine. I won't turn it down. I'll just strip off my clothing. <laughs> um, so... I buy this box of pens at Office Depot, and I'm looking in the back, and there's a seal on the back, and it says that one of the big selling points for this pen is that, quote, and I'm reading from the, from the front, specially formulated ink helps prevent check fraud. So apparently it's some kind of ink that I guess you can't wash off or alter or smudge. And so this may or may not mean anything to you, but on the back, there's a seal, like a crest, that's been stamped on it, and it says, endorsed by secure document expert Frank W. Abignail. Who knows the significance of that name? Tim? Frank W. Abignail, security expert. Doesn't sound familiar. Have you seen the movie Catch Me If You Can, starring Leonardo DiCaprio? Yes, I have. That guy, that guy who's like a fraudster and a huckster and who scams his way around the world pretending to be a pilot, is now apparently a secure document expert. And one of the big selling points of this ballpoint pen is that there is a signature and a seal on the back telling you that Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, DiCaprio's character from that film has signed off on this pen as being unalterable. So how weird that that guy's like spun this into an entire career. And I think Steven Spielberg made that film. It was Tom Hanks and Leonardo DiCaprio. And, you know, the movie's like 90 minutes of this guy who just commits, like, check fraud and identity theft and alters checks and alters driver's licenses. And it's just this amazing forger in terms of documents. So he's now got this whole new career, apparently, where he just, like, looks at ballpoint pens, tells you whether or not the ink can be altered, and then signs it if he, if he approves. So there you go. Uh, let's That's see. pretty cool. It is. Uh, let's see. Um... I had some final note to make here. Oh, I tried to call. Uh, I tried to call to make a dental appointment this weekend, and apparently my dental number actually called a phone sex hotline. So that was a little awkward. Uh, all right, let's just sure do these calls. Get two numbers confused. I don't know. I was afraid to go back. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello, Rick. Hey, how are you doing? What's up? Hey, I just wanted to let you know that I saw on the news last night the best thing ever that I thought you'd appreciate. Best thing ever. Yes. Ever. Uh, well, better oh. than penicillin. Uh, yes. Okay. Okay, now, you are a fan of artwork done by the crazies, the serial killers? Yes. Okay, well, there is now a board game out by a man who created a board game, Serial Killer Trivia. Okay. And I just thought... Where might I find this game? I, I don't know. I didn't quite catch the entire story on the news last night. It was 11 o'clock news But it's like night. a Serial Killer Trivia Pursuit? Essentially, yes. Um, it, it talks about all your favorites, Manson and, you know, Gacy and it, all of them. I like what I'm hearing. All right. Excellent. So, I'll look into it. Maybe we'll uh, get that guy in the show. Absolutely. Excellent. And um, do you really want to know who hosts Loveline? Yeah. Uh, Stryker, I think, was the guy. Oh, Ted Stryker? Is that the guy, Ted Stryker? He's a DJ? Yes. Yes. He's, I think he's from KROQ, or he was from KROQ. I all believe right. that's correct. All right. Thank you. 
Later. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. Hey. I just, I love all you guys, so don't take this the wrong way. I oh, just God. have to know, it's been bugging me since last week. Yeah. When I heard that Sarah was talking about not being able to watch DVDs because she only has a VHS. Right. But she was able to go out and buy a MacBook. She can't go buy a DVD player for 20 bucks. I don't know. I didn't buy that. My parents got it. And actually, you could watch DVDs in your MacBook. Oh, I guess that's true. You could put it right in there and watch DVDs on your MacBook. You could actually uh, carry it and sit in bed with you. I'm having that function on a computer. I guess that is right. Sit right in bed, put it on your knees, no, watch no, a movie no, there. Yeah, it does sound like I was... No, I, I could not... Not buy a MacBook. <laughs> but I mean, so it did. But I mean, I have watched I, every now. I don't. It's not my preferred method of viewing, but I have watched a movie or two on my computer. Like if I absolutely have no choice, I've watched stuff on the computer. So like I've had a couple of DVDs that wouldn't play in my DVD player for some reason, and I didn't want to take the time to like rip them and reburn them and whatever. So I just watched them on my PC. So that is possible. So you could watch those on your MacBook. Yes, I like to, I like to sound more grown up than I am, but no, there's no way in hell in a year <laughs> that I could afford to buy a MacBook. <laughs> Okay, well, that really had me puzzled, right. so now Thank I feel you. better. All right, bye now. Thanks. All right. Uh, we should probably break. Do you think? Sure. I don't even have. I haven't even had time to get to all my weather observations. Well, we don't have Lisa for another eleven minutes. Is but, that true? Yeah. Okay. Well, let me just make the following weather observations then. First of all, apparently it did snow uh, some places. I saw a little scat. It was one of those was, things. There was snow in my backyard this morning. See, but I woke up and I saw snow sort of in other places, but nowhere near my house. It was again, though, as God had, you know, did anything good over there. No, it's like it's it's like God had drawn a circle around my neighborhood, no, and no, no, put a put a put a dome over it, and everything good had fallen outside the circle. It it should come as no surprise to you, by the way, that I was driving down, um, I was driving down Powell the other day. Uh, I think it was Saturday night or maybe Sunday morning, driving along, and there's some guy weaving all over the road, clearly just like drunk as could be. I mean, just a menace. Just, you know, can't decide where he's going, can't pick a lane. Several times makes this sort of aborted attempt to turn left and then doesn't. He jerks back into traffic and generally just being a menace and a threat to everybody else on, on the road. And, of course, where is he going? He's going into that apartment building right across the street from my house. So that should come as no surprise to anybody. Of course. Um, but just a couple notes. I was watching KGW News last night for reasons that, like, now escape me. Uh, but I flipped by, and I guess I wanted to see if it was going to snow. Um, because the, the pet grooming place where I took Max and made some noise about, well, if it snows, we may not be open. So I wanted to see if it was going to snow. So I tune on KGW, and I, I don't know whoever it is. They had some woman out there standing, like, pointing at the, the sky or whatever. So they made the following statements. These are just little, little observations here. One, they spelled preparation wrong. They said, city encourages preparation for icy weather. And it was like prepper, like P-E-R, preparation. And then she goes on to note, and I realize this is not her fault nor the fault of KGW, but she again makes this observation that the city is preparing to, wait for it, sand down the roads, <laughs> which does nothing. Uh, it doesn't seem like we ought to be able to have some scientist or somebody who knows something about something, get somebody from OMSI or whatever to come on here and explain to the city that sanding the road does, like, dick. Which I mean, roads it, were sanded? I, I don't know. I guess wherever, you know, probably your roads, not mine. You probably get chemicals, though. Your neighborhood probably gets the actual, like, the snow-melting chemicals. And then maybe sort of, like, the nicer areas in east side, like maybe if you're by Mount Tabor, you get salt or whatever. And then I just get sand, which does nothing. And it's not like sand and salt can be that far apart in price. I mean, how much can salt possibly be? I can't imagine that salt is much more expensive than sand is. And salt has the advantage of, you know, actually doing something. Sand does nothing. All sand does 
is it just provides something else to slide around on once the snow has melted and the sand remains. It makes it look like somebody cares. I guess. That's really what it is. It is just like the most cosmetic uh, of winter safety procedures. So there's that. And then finally, so I'm watching it. And what am I waiting to hear? I'm waiting to hear if it's going to snow, of course, where I am. Right? That's why everybody watches. And so what are they doing? Are they saying... This is like editorial observation from me to KGW or to whoever. Here's a little suggestion. Why don't, when you're talking about whether it's going to snow or not and where it's going to snow, why don't you actually talk about it like in terms of where people live? Like say, well, look, uh, it might snow in Tigard, probably not in Gresham. In inner southeast, 50-50 chance of snow. In Tannisporn, no snow at all. Whatever. Just lay it out like that. But But, of course, they don't ever do that. First of all, I'm watching KGW and they're sitting there telling me what it's going to be in Eugene and Bend. As though everybody watching KGW isn't... Who's in Bend watching K... No one. That's who. There is no one in Bend watching KGW. They're watching whatever they're watching in Bend. So I don't... I swear to God, at one point last night, the woman... It sounds like I'm getting exercised about this. It's just because, like, it was so completely and totally uninformative. So there's the woman on KGW last night. I swear to you at one point, she says this. She goes... She points at the map and she says... Well, all right, now, as you can see, uh... You're going to have some scattered snow showers in Astoria. <laughs> this is... We're in Portland. Tell me if it's going to snow here. And it, once, they, once they move on to the Portland area, of course, they don't bother to tell you neighborhood by neighborhood or even, you know, quadrant by quadrant whether it's going to snow. They do the, wait for it, breaking it out by feet. So between 700 and 1,000 feet, Sarah... How many feet are you at? <laughs> I don't know. No one knows. Actually, I do know because we talked about it one day, but only because a listener said that we were like at Do you remember? They were like at 400 feet. You are at 400 feet. Like, remember they said the Mount Tabor Theater was like at 400 feet. Okay. So what is, let me ask you this. What is the valley floor? Because that's apparently where they were saying it was going to snow last night. God, what pretentious dicks. Like, nobody knows what they're talking about. They, they, they have, don't know what they're talking about. Absolutely not. They have no, they have, they know dick about right what here. they're talking about. Okay, but before you reveal it, let me just say, let me just tell you how they were phrasing it last night. They said... So between uh, 700 and 1,000 feet, you're likely to see four to six inches of snow. And, uh, well, between 400 and 700 feet, probably an inch or two. And then they talk about sea level. I'm like, where's sea level? There was, they didn't even mention sea, sea level is. last night. They said this. They said, and if you're on the valley floor, you're going to get scattered <laughs> snow flurries. I don't know what valley they're talking about, first of all. The Willamette Valley. But, I mean, wh- where is that? <laughs> is it everything? Is everything in the Willamette Valley? Yeah, are we in the Willamette Valley right now? And if we're in the Willamette Valley, exactly where is the floor of the Willamette Valley? Just say it's going to snow in Gresham. But not in Beaverton. A holes. You want to know the elevations again? <laughs> that I'm sorry, I almost swore. What the F does that mean? It's the valley floor is going to get it. No one knows. Hold on. Let's see if Dave Zinn knows what a valley floor is. Then we have to break. Good morning. Hi, Dave Zinn. <laughs> Hello. Hey, I have a question for you about Portland geography. All right. If you were watching KGW and you saw them refer to it snowing on, quote, the valley floor, <laughs> would you know what that meant? The valley floor. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Is that the gorge or That's something? That's what I'm saying. No one knows. Okay, see, you made me feel... If you'd known and we didn't, I was no, going to feel dumb. All right, thank you, Dave. I'm not that intelligent. Bye now. Bye. All right, there you go. Yeah, no one knows what the valley floor is. Trying to look like they know more than they valley do. Valley floor. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, how's it going? What's up? Hey, the valley floor is I-5. Is what? I-5. The I-5 what, all of I-5? Alternating the, like, you you do know that I-5 goes from here to, like, California. Guam, right? Yeah, but the Willamette Valley ends at Eugene. Well, okay. 
from Eugene to Portland yes. is the Willamette Valley. Do you, you see know, you how it doesn't help me? What is the you valley floor? Valley, and then you have the then you have the Cascades. There's a valley in between there. Okay, but let me ask you this. So when they say it's going to snow in the valley floor, where is that? Uh, Albany, Corvallis, Salem, Aurora, Donald. Are you making this up because you know I don't know? No, I'm not making it up. Canby. I think he's more educated than the Portland, normal person. Portland along the river. Are you like a surveyor or something? No, I'm a truck driver. Where, where the land is lower than the higher land is oh. the valley. Oh, <laughs> where the land yeah. is lower. Where the land is lower than the higher land. Yes. Well, where's <laughs> the valley? Well we're, well, we're right here. We're lower than the West Hills. We're not the it, valley, are we? Yes. The, yeah, you are. The valley floor. Yeah. So this so, is. But, a, but the West Hills are in the valley. No, they are not. No, they're the West Hills. They're up 1,100 feet. What about Mount Tabor? Is that in the Mount valley? Mount Tabor is not in the valley. It's 550. Let me understand feet. this. So downtown Portland and Canby are both in the valley, but Mount Tabor isn't. Yeah, the elevation of downtown Portland is like what? 20, 20 feet of us. 20 feet. Level. 20 and feet. Canby, mm. I think it's 30. See, Oregon City, 45. Do you suppose it would be just like would it be too hard for them just to say it's going to snow downtown? Uh, yeah, probably. All right, thank you. Hey, hey, another thing? Yeah. We don't use salt because we don't get enough ice and snow, and it's too much of an investment in salt. Salt is actually pretty expensive. Well, okay, but do you think they could at least not use sand, which makes people think the road is safer than it is? Well, true, but the reason we use sand is because, for one, it's dirt cheap. It's everywhere. <laughs> and it's not actually just sand. It's actually it's it's called uh, uh, in-run. Off the off the rock crushers, it's actually got rock and everything in it too. Uh huh. And the idea is is that when you put it on top of the snow or on the ice, as the ice melts and the snow melts, it beat into the roadway. Uh huh. Therefore, adding traction like sandpaper. I don't really know that that works. It doesn't, but they like <laughs> to think it does. Excellent. Thank you, sir. You bet. All right, we have to take a break. Back after this with more of your calls and Lisa Day. Yeah. That's uh, he's from no the street words. with an H. Street. No words can describe. Boy. Yeah. But you see what I'm talking about there? I totally see. You're right. You're right. The uh, the yeah. girl who likes Donnie Wahlberg grows up to be the woman who dates that guy. You know what I'm talking about. I like Joey McIntyre. <laughs> Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Who is the most universally adored new kid? I think it was Jordan Knight, probably. I didn't like him. He was the oldest, too, too, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He was a a, a a pretty man, but he he sang that in that really high-pitched voice that I found very... It was very much a turn-off. He was sort of the Donny Gosma, though. He was was pretty. That was the right word for him. Mm -hmm. You're right. All right. Uh, More of your calls coming up. This, however, from uh, Washington is uh, radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins on the Hill. Hello. How are you today? Hello. Hi. How are you? How are things? How's life? How was the... uh, how was your sojourn into uh, South Carolina? Oh, I love South Carolina, so it was fantastic. <sighs> All right, so let us talk about um, about Saturday. Um, so I, I sat uh, on the sofa uh, like a nerd, uh, watching uh, all the results and watching everything kind of pour in on Saturday. So was it um, A, somewhat expected, B, very expected, or C, not expected at all, that Obama would just rout Hillary Clinton the way he did? Not expected. That margin was not expected at all. And the Hillary Clinton campaign 
they, they, they did they did think that chances were they were going to lose. They weren't sure. And they held out that New Hampshire hope that maybe all the polls were wrong and maybe she was going to pull it out. But, but they thought probably she was going to lose. You talk to those campaign staffers behind the scenes. I haven't talked to one yet who thought they would lose by, by really that gigantic it, of a margin. It was astounding. I, was, I remember watching it, uh, and I, I disciplined myself uh, on, on days like Saturday because I watched some of CNN's you know, lead-up during the day, and they were doing, I guess, exit polling and whatever, but I, I don't let myself really get down in the wall in it because I, I like to have... What am I trying to say? I, I, I guess I like to save that moment of unveiling, you know, at like 5 p.m. Pacific time or whatever it is. Like, yeah. I want it to be sort of pure. So I watched, I, I sampled, you might say, a little bit of the exit polling and the pre-discussion. And then at like 5.01, uh, I, I turned on my TiVo and started watching it. And it was like, Jesus, man, it was like, like first Barack had like 43, and then it was like 48, and it was 53. And, I mean, he really ran away with it, which is, um, I don't know, which is, so... D- 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 this it was a, big, a landslide. It was a big. It's a big question, but to what do people attribute this huge margin? Well, the African American vote really. Eighty percent of African Americans, men, and I think even more significantly, women voted for Obama. Hillary Clinton really thought she could make inroads, especially with African American women, talking about family issues and, of course, being a woman herself. But in the end, black voters said no. We're going with Barack Obama, and really, just twenty percent of black voters went with anybody else. It's funny, when I checked into my hotel in South Carolina, you could sort of hear how this was going in a way because the woman in front of me was a, a black kind of activist from New Jersey. She, she checked in and she says to the woman behind the counter, who was also black, she said, are you voting the right way? You know, and then the woman behind the counter said, oh, yeah, I'm voting for Obama. So there, there was kind of already this discourse among African Americans, like, all right, you know, this, this is a man that, that we all need to vote for. You know, and it, it felt like, in a way, it was because they wanted to have a black president, but also because of the message he had. It, it, it was the two combined. I'm it, not sure that you can extract one or the other. And so I guess my next question, well, I got two questions. Two, as, a, as a bad Larry King caller would say, I have two questions and a comment. Um, <laughs> I'll hang up. Uh, yeah, I'll, Larry, I'll take your answer off the air. Thank you. Brooklyn, <laughs> Flushing Heights, hello. Um, <laughs> I look like a toad. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. That's I'm, pretty good. I'm sorry. That was beyond the pale. Um, so, a somebody made a really good observation this weekend. I forget who I read this somewhere. I think some friend of mine. I think had written something about this. But he said that he said that Barack Obama's uh, campaign ads reminded him a lot of the ads that came out of the '90s for the Infinity uh, car. And if you remember the ads for the Infinity, they never really showed the car or told you what it could do. It was just like waving fields of wheat. Uh, and then, and then, like a waterfall, and then like some birds flying through a rainbow, and then it was just like the infinity, you know. And that's that was it. And he he said that Barack sort of reminds him of that. That it's, um, you know, that it is sort of it, it, that the medium is the message, the tone uh, is the message. Uh, that it is very much a uh, a change and positivism and hope and optimism and all that. And so, to what extent uh, is he going to be able to replicate these results? Uh, do you think elsewhere? He's going to have a tougher time on Super Tuesday. Florida's going to be a big test, even though the thing is that Florida right now doesn't count for anything because the Democrats stripped away all of Florida's delegates. That's a big slap for uh, Florida moving its primary up. So technically, whoever wins Florida doesn't get any delegates. That could change. It's hard, you know, Hillary Clinton's pushing for a change there. It's hard to say. But it, it'll be a test to see if Obama has real momentum coming out of South Carolina. 
I think February 5th is going to be closed. I, I, I think you cannot count the Clintons out even after this kind of uh, landslide for their opponents. And I think you're right. I think people are questioning, all right, what, we like the fact that Barack Obama wants to unify the country. We like the fact that he's not, you know, politics as usual. But what exactly is he going to do? And that's what he's got. That, that is his challenge now. And I wouldn't be surprised if in the next couple of weeks we're going to see uh, some more definition from him or maybe talking about the things he's already defined, like his health care program that I think he's been on the defensive on uh, behind Hillary Clinton. And I don't think he needs to do that. He needs to kind of get out in front. And, and really define his own programs. He has plans out there, but you're right, he hasn't really talked about them. So I think you're, you're going to see more of that in the next couple of weeks. Bill Clinton helping or hurting? Hurting. And, and so, and, and why is that? Because, you know, I think he, when he went on the attack against Barack Obama, people saw that for what it was. And, and I think they also were surprised not only that uh, it was such a sharp attack, but also that here was this man that they really thought was the, kind of a leader of their party, really the patriarch of the Democratic Party, who suddenly was so thin-skinned and, and defensive that, that I think it turned off people on a number of levels, made them kind of question the Clinton campaign in a number of ways. And, and they did expect him, I think, to be more dignified than he was. It doesn't seem... He, you know, it felt like they were doing good cop, bad cop, and it just didn't work. I, I like Bill Clinton. I really do. Uh, and yeah. I admire his political acumen. But he really does seem... I hate to use this word because it's, it's something that is such a trite buzzword. But Bill Clinton does really seem unpresidential lately. That's the thing, exactly. And, you know, I, I, I think we've talked about this before. It really feels like he's he's kind of you know, pretending he's Catholic for a minute, I'm going to sin today and I'll go to right. confession tomorrow. And and that he really is going to, he, he, and I think he's right, that no matter what happens two years from now, he will be beloved again. He'll find some, you know, amazing cause and surround himself with children and it'll be great. But but right now is when, you know, he, they really need his mojo. And, and, and he, he undermined it himself. He took a big risk and said, I know how to go on the attack. I can do it. And, and he was wrong. You know, it really hurt them. And I think Bill Clinton has a certain amount of hubris because he's just been so Teflon. He, Bill Clinton really is sort of, okay, cue up either best or worst analogy ever. Bill Clinton really, in many ways, is sort of the O.J. Simpson of uh, of the presidential world that just no matter what he does, he just skates on it, you know? Mm-hmm. No matter, I mean, he survives... Uh, I didn't inhale. He survives draft dodging. He survives Paula Jones and Jennifer Flowers and Monica Lewinsky and just just walks right through it. Um, he is, he's astounding that way. But I think, you know, when you have, when it looks like you're sending out your big brother or your little brother, however you want to make that analogy work, when you're sending out a family member kind of to do your dirty work for you, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I think Hillary Clinton, she's, she's always been someone who's had to prove that she herself is strong beside her husband. And I think, I, I think it just hurt her in a number of ways. I think they're, they're, I, he's still going to be critical of Barack Obama, but you're going to hear it be much more soft, much more vague, uh, sort of things that people in the know are going to have to get without him just completely lurching out at Barack Obama the way that he did. It's interesting that McCain seems to be uh, talking. It seems like McCain's camp is operating like they are assuming the nominee is still going to be Hillary, though. Um, because I know they're positioning John McCain in a lot of ways as you know the the, the guy who can beat Hillary, and uh, his his campaign yeah. says to the effect of well Mitt Romney would get beaten to you know to totally get savagely beaten by Hillary Clinton. So it's odd that the the GOP does sort of seem to still be operating under the assumption that they so, you know that it, that it's going to be Hillary come the fall. You know I think Hillary Clinton to a lot of Republicans uh, kind of that Republican base she's she's almost like they've made her out like she herself is the Kremlin of Cold War times, huh. and even if 
even if the Soviet Union had no power, you know, even, even if you know your Western Europe is blowing away, or Japan is much more powerful in the world, it's still this great kind of nostalgic enemy to bring up. And I think that's what John McCain's doing here. Whether or not Clinton becomes the, the nominee, she is just a great stepping stone for Republicans to try and get their base all incensed and, and angry and voting for them. So I, I think. I don't read that they, they necessarily think she will be the nominee. But they want her? Yeah, she's their favorite punching bag to get the base really involved. It's, it's interesting, and of course I'm not saying anything she doesn't know, but if, if, if I were Hillary Clinton's people, in fact there was a great special on CNN uh, over the weekend, um, uh, it was called Broken Government, and it was yeah. about... Um, uh, it was about attack ads and negative campaigning and mudslinging. And uh, there was this guy from some website or some group is called StopHerNow.com or something. And it was you know some group of nutcases, and their whole thing was just you know waking up every day and spending all day hating Hillary Clinton. And, and you know you just you don't see that about a Barack Obama, not openly anyway. You don't you don't see people who are just obsessed with destroying him the way you see people obsessed with destroying Hillary Clinton. It seems like if like she ought to be playing that up as as sort of proof of. How of how, how how much she should have the job? She's like, look how much your enemies don't want me to have it. And and she does. She bring, she does bring that up in the debates and in her stump speech. You know, I heard her bring that up in a a, a Shoney's. It's a little more veiled, but at a Shoney's restaurant in, in Columbia, South Carolina, sitting and talking with people, she does say, "Listen, they're they're going after me, and there's a reason." And then on the flip side, she loves to say, "I can handle it. I've taken this right. for years." You know, implying Barack Obama, he's so cute, he's so sweet. He's gonna get killed, you know, wow. and and so she she puts that out there. But voters, they've I think they've heard it before, and I, and I think they know that about her. And the, right now, South Carolina certainly went with kind of Barack Obama, and this hope that politics could change. People who vote for Clinton say, "Give me a break, it, it's not going to change." So How? so it's really two different mentalities there. How odd that the Clintons have become the establishment. It is a really weird world. Uh, it is, but they have. They certainly have been. Right, they are. They're right. the establishment now. Are you on tomorrow? I'll be here tomorrow, yeah. Excellent. We will undoubtedly talk to you then. Until then, uh, did you have a favorite new kid on the block? A favorite new kid? Oh, I'm not cool. Maybe Jordan Knight. He's the only one I remember. <laughs> Excellent. Well because done. Because he, kind of he was kind of the dorkiest one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, we're, we're, we're good. that's the question we're going to be asking uh, everybody. Who oh, John, no, night. Jonathan Knight, his brother was the Jonathan. I think I think it's the tall guy. Who's the one? Of, like, yeah, that's Jonathan with a really bad haircut. Okay, there we go. <gasps> yeah, See, yes. I, I don't know. Sarah has an astonishing amount of NKOTB uh, knowledge. <laughs> oh, in her head. I'm not <laughs> it, my No, no, no. We've received <laughs> the exciting news that they're going to be reforming those. So uh, we're going to be uh, peppering our audience with questions about them today. Wow, really? 40-year-old men are rejoining a boy band. The new kids on the block. Yes, they will be coming to your town and they will be coming to your town and bilking girls out of thousands of dollars. (laughs) Or, or, or I don't know, maybe soccer moms they'll be bilking. I'm not sure. Oh, and you know that's going to be case. You know, it's going to be there's going to be a bunch of sort of. I don't know, women who, as John Hughes might say, are pushing maximum density, toting along their reluctant teenage daughters who couldn't care less. It's going to be both great and sad. I predict rows and rows of mid-30s bachelorette parties. Oh, that's so <laughs> horrifying. You know what? It's scary because it's true. Oh, exactly. I can picture that with little to no difficulty. All right. Have a great day, Lisa. We'll talk to you tomorrow. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, now, Lisa Desjardins. Okay. I can totally see that. Can't you see that? Yes, of course I can oh, see no, no, it. No, no, no. And rows and rows of white uh, women calling each other girlfriend. Same. You know, I still Girl, have my we T-shirt. Are... <laughs> I'm going to totally rock well, you're not my that T-shirt woman. from fifth grade. Because, well, you know, but you're not that woman. You yeah. know what I'm talking about. You're, 
You know, you're not living in Tiger dreaming of a new toaster. Well, it's not even an unironic love of them. I mean, like, how great would that be to just hear all those old songs? I hope that they're not going to, like, come out with a bunch of new songs. Here's our whole new album in its entirety. Okay, so get this. So I'm yeah. looking through all the celebrity gossip <laughs> they usually do. It's like it's like 1990s day. I just look, and you know what I just saw? No. Boys to Men are reuniting. I didn't think they'd broken up. No, they're they're getting back together and releasing an album and going on a world tour this this year. See, that's weird. See, I, to me, Boys to Men is like uh, trying to think of an example. I, I, I assume that they broke up because I haven't heard about them in like 10 years. I guess I thought they were sort of like I, they, to me they're like an in vogue or something where like they didn't like I it, is in vogue still together? No, but on the other hand, like I don't remember hearing a whole like. Big breakup, you know what yeah. I mean? Like with New Kids on the Block, like it was like you, you know, they they publicly broke up and disbanded and all went their separate ways. Whereas Boys to Men just like didn't put out another record at one point. It's like record tour, record tour, and then like nothing. But I don't think they ever said anything about it. I think they just took a long. So that's different to me in my head. Yeah. Were you a Boys to Men fan? I was a huge Boys to Men fan. Wow, it's your best. Not year as big ever. as Sarah Wagner, of course. No, of course not. But um, no, they're Boys to Men too. I listened to that album. Oh. Like, more than any album I think I've ever listened to. All right. See, this is how it begins for you. I know. It's the raping of my childhood. No, I'm just saying. Get you. I'm just saying. Sit back, because it's just going to get worse. I mean, this is every year, uh, probably every six months now for the next 15 years of your life, uh, there's going to be something from your childhood it waxed, polished, and shoved back at you for ten times what you originally paid for it. You know it's true. I know it's true. I'm seeing it. It's, I'm watching it happen right now. Later on, we'll make a list of the other things that are eventually going to be sold back well, to you. Like Transformers? Like, all these things are all, yeah. all starting to come back. Well, because they're pretty much done selling my childhood back to me. I mean, we've got the new Indiana Jones film coming out. I wonder if they're going to resurrect, like, pound puppies or popples. Popples. Wow. I hadn't thought about that. I loved my popple. What I had those? an orange one with, a, with green hair. Okay, wait. Here's something they can start doing. What were those things they sold where it was like a locket, but then it opened up and it was like a little house that you would... Polly Pocket? Yeah, that yeah. stuff. They'll start selling Polly Pocket for adult women. You mark my words. Why would adult women want Polly Pocket? Why would adult women go to see New Kids on the Block? Because it reminds you of a simpler Andrew time. Emerson for the win. Zang! I stood in line for like three hours to see a grown man fly around in a red cape and blue tights. <laughs> All right. All right. Back after this with Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Stay there. Sales manual. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, it's Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. The Portland, Vancouver metro area is now under a extended snow advisory till 8 o'clock tonight. We'll get snow showers off and on all the way through tonight. This morning in Washington County alone, there were 29 car crashes between 5 and 9. Yes? I, how is that? I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying, how is that even possible, seeing as how we didn't even really get snow? We did get snow. But we did. Okay. I understand it was snow in the sense that there was frozen water that fell out of the sky. No, there, there was snow, snow, like in, on a Christmas card, that type of snow. Okay, where? On the west side, if you're driving in uh, on the uh, on the 26. How much snow are we talking about? Uh, a couple of inches. Really? So yeah. like that? 
No, two inches is that. <laughs> I'm holding my fingers apart like like I even know what an inch is. Um, so what two inches like that, right? Yeah. And when it freezes, it creates ice. All right. Is this is this going to cue the? Uh, well, you know that's the other thing they were doing on KGW last night. It was a lot of like, if you're driving over a road that is covered in ice, drive slowly. And then you know, and of course the whole like block. they're watching KGW as they're driving. <laughs> exactly. And then and then that was right before they talked about that airplane that like I guess skidded or something on a, on an air you know on the airstrip in Spokane. And it's one air one airplane from Portland to Spokane had a bumpy landing, which is like the very definition of non-news. Since by definition, the people on the plane all know about it, and the people all watching television aren't going to ever be on that flight because it already happened. It's like the that definition of something that doesn't need to be covered. So this just in. If your car's on some ice, don't speed with reckless abandon. It just it boggles my mind that there could be 30 accidents because of two inches of snow. Yes. On Barnes Road, one car skidded off the road and hit a power pole just east of St. Vincent's Hospital around 6 a.m. Firefighters helped the driver out of the Washington County Sheriff's deputies on the scene said he had minor injuries. Other problems include the West Hills, of course, and on the east side, we have Lombard Marine Drive and Columbia Boulevard always getting icy. It also caused uh, some traffic snarls with the ice on I-5. Oh, Estacada got five inches of snow. Aren't you really? happy about that? And Eugene got a half a foot. They won't be able to get to the well. No, they won't. Uh, all right. So that's that. Are we? Do we just give? Did we just give weather for Eugene just now? We did. We are KGW. Hello. Mm -hmm. Okay. No, you can pick the station up in Eugene. Is I that true? Yeah. Okay. See, I, I I can count on zero fingers the number of times I've gone to Eugene in my adult life. No, that's not true. I went to Eugene once when I was 19 to see Ace Fraley play a solo show. That's it. That's the last time I went to Eugene. I try not to go there. A bunch of guys on unicycles with Dr. Seuss hats. Some place called Sandy got seven inches. And uh, let's see. It also snowed in the Oregon coast over the weekend. All right. So that's so, that. there you go. Now, that's not the valley floor. No, it isn't. <laughs> it is the coast. I know that this whole thing frustrates you. I know that you. I know that you're you're inexplicably irritated <laughs> by my inability to grasp elevation. I understand that. I I do see that it somehow annoys you. I'm just saying, there's a part of my brain. It's like how some people um can't tell. You know, it's like how Richie has no sense of smell. Mm -hmm. I just don't. I can't grasp things like elevation and oh, Oregon spatial has relations, varying terrain. If, if you want things that stay the same all the time, you have to go to, like, Nebraska the, the or best, Iowa. The best, part was, the best part was how, A, you were speaking to me as though I was a slightly retarded puppy, and, B, how when, when Tim just said, Oregon has varying terrain, he did this thing where he took his hand and he went up and then down. And then up and then down <laughs> to sort of illustrate it. But, like, but, but did that make it more understandable? <laughs> Yes, I suppose it did. I tried to answer all questions. In <laughs> this, this email says, Rick, holy ass, you're dumb. This has got to be a setup for funny calls. You can't believe this it's is stupid. Not a this no. is not a setup. <laughs> he says, Rick, sea level is the top of the goddamn ocean. The Willamette River is 20 feet above sea level. That's why the water slowly runs to the ocean. The valley floor is land that would be considered the floor of the effing valley. I show you the same map every week. <laughs> i.e. land slightly above the river. So, intercom is the valley floor. We're all on the valley floor right here. All right. Anyway, um, he says, um, they can't just say it will snow in Gresham because it might at the top of Powell but not at the Max station. They can't say it will snow in downtown Portland because it might snow at the top of Burnside but not Front Avenue. Well, I would not call the front... Uh, first of all, I would not call the top of Burnside downtown Portland. 
I mean, I think everybody knows what we mean when we say downtown Portland. Saying that you downtown Portland isn't an understood area is just a that's just incorrect. Anyway, he says in most cases. I'm just saying. He says, in most cases, they could just say, the lucky rich kids in the hills will get snow. The low lives in Southeast will not. Okay. See? That would be fun. Car crashes. They ought to do, really, they ought, they ought to do that. They, I mean, I think we would all appreciate, we ought to do something like that. Some sort of a straight-up, honest weather service. You know what I mean? Weather, well, weather for plain class struggle. Weather for plain folk. Now I sound like one of those characters in uh, No Country for Old Men. All right. Well, let's talk about that uh, Sacagawea statue, shall we? A stolen statue of Sacagawea and her baby were found at a scrap metal dealer in Bend. <laughs> really? She's traveled a long way, along with the baby. The statue was taken from the Fort Clatsop National Memorial near Astoria last weekend. This week, a Bend scrap metal dealer called police about suspicious metal his business had just received. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was described as a missing statue. So this guy, well, I found this old Sacagawea statue. <laughs> well, my wife is tired of having it in a rock garden. Let's be honest. There are thousands of things around here that say Sacagawea. So what's one more? Lewis and Clark. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, here's something I've always wondered. Okay. I know I'm opening up one of those, uh, you know, how come conversations that everybody would, that, like this guy, everybody will call up and call me a moron for. Um this was like that day that I wondered, I don't think we ever got an answer to this, by the way, when I wondered why a lot of gas stations, especially in plain states, have rocks on the roof. Did you ever see that? Like, you, you know, you drive it along, like through the Dalles or something, you stop at Bob's Gas and Go, and it's like the, the, the roof of the gas station is covered in small stones. Like, why is that? What's that about? I haven't noticed. <laughs> okay, never mind. Exactly. It's, where a thing, this? It's, a thing, it's a thing that only I see. Sorry. Um... I was going to ask this. So, correct me if I'm wrong, and I grew up in the Northwest, so I should know this. So, Lewis and Clark uh, come here from the East Coast, right? Yes. Lewis and Clark started the East Coast. They come to the Northwest uh, territories or areas or whatever. And, uh, you know, they go through and they map and they chart and they plot and they graph and they do whatever. Along the way, they meet Sacagawea, a local Indian maiden, uh, who assists them. Is that correct? Yes. So Very helpful. Okay, but here's my thing. So... Did she speak English, or did they somehow speak Indian? Or neither? How did that even work? That is a good question. I'm not sure of the history of Sacagawea. Because as I understand it, I mean, Indian languages are, are pretty, are tough. I mean, they're not, it, it, in other words, because Indian languages, I do believe this to be true. I am a moronic white man, but I do believe this is true, that Indian languages, for instance, don't have any common derivation. In other words, like Spanish, uh, French, uh, you know, Latin, English, all all share some roots, uh, which is why many of those words look the same in different languages. But I think Indian, like, have you ever seen the the Navajo language written out? I mean, it's like it's looking at Klingon or something. It's just crazy. Um, so I don't understand how, especially if she was an adult and not a child, you know, because you get an adult, your ability to learn other languages sort of vanishes. I don't understand how it is they were able to communicate with her, and and if they could communicate with her, why did I mean? In other words, why did they then need her if they if they could so communicate easily communicate with Sacagawea? Why couldn't they just communicate with everybody? The fact that Sacagawea helped them out implies that she had some specific ability to interface. You're not even you don't even care. <laughs> well, I can tell that everybody I, knows, I am now Lewis speaking Clark, to no one. Lewis and Clark <laughs> are the ones who named her Sacagawea. Her real name was Phyllis. Her name was her name was really Hadatsa, which meant bird woman. But it sounded more like Sacagawea. How do we know it was Hadatsa? Did she wear a name tag? 
Hi, my name is Hadatsa. That according to Lewis and Clark. Wait, let me understand this. So they knew her real name, <laughs> but they didn't use it? Well, she had a nickname. Your new name is Frank, Tim. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. If oh they know God. her name is Hadatsa... Why? Well, maybe they found that out much later. She might have not had her ID on her the first time they met. <laughs> maybe she lost her purse. Or it was stolen. Lost her little beaded purse. Um, but, I mean, okay, well, whatever. I mean, okay, but let's assume for the sake of argument that they didn't know her real name of Hidatsa. Mm-hmm. And they must not have because, again... If you knew someone's real, that, I get that would like be meaning like you introducing me to somebody. Well, this is my friend Sam, and I say hello. You're no, your name is no, your name is Penelope from to, you know from now on. That wouldn't make any sense. Maybe that was just a nickname. Okay, but a term of endearment. I was just gonna say, but even if they didn't know her name was Hadatsa, mm-hmm. okay, these are just a bunch of dorky white guys from the East Coast. Where would they come up with Sacagawea? I mean, that doesn't make. Like, if you were going to, in other words, if you were just some idiot European guy and you were going to give her a name for ease of communication, and I mean, in this, white people in America traditionally have had no problem just taking away somebody's given name and giving them something that we decided was easier. Mm-hmm. Why would you pick Sacagawea if your whole thing was trying to find an easy name to remember? That is a good what question. Do you, what do you, what, well, we need an easy name. How about Ricky Tiki Tembo No Sai Rembo? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. There's so much about this now that. Now that I'm sort of leaning on it, it just doesn't support it. There's no weight that can be supported on this, this whole story. Have we considered that the whole Lewis and Clark thing is a fiction? It's all made up. She spoke both Hidatsa and Shoshone. Okay, but they're from New Hampshire. I don't think so. Or whatever. Where, where are they from? Vermont? Someplace back, Someplace back there. <laughs> Some cheese-eating state. Um, so neither of those things are English. And I'm assuming they don't have, like, a lot of shown, uh, you know, like, although, songs and whatnot on the East Coast. Although Sacagawea no, knew Shoshone, she did not speak English. Consequently, Lewis and Clark's communication with the Shoshone chief had to pass through three interpreters. So, so what did, interpreters went through this. So what did she do? But anyway, what did she do? Okay, I guess what I'm saying is she didn't speak English. They didn't speak or whatever. So they, they had uh, they had three interpreters. But I guess what I'm saying is she is held up as this very prominent, important figure. Mm-hmm. If it had to go through three interpreters, presumably none of whom are her, what yeah. did she do that result? I'm not trying to be a little. I'm not trying to minimize the importance of Sacagawea. I'm just saying I don't then know what she did. If she wasn't, I was this whole my whole life. I have assumed that she was the interpreter. If I had asked you guys five minutes ago what Sacagawea did for Lewis and Clark that was so important, I think you would have guessed interpreted for them. But it turns out that's not true. So my question is. What is it that she did that rendered her so important? He says accusingly to the room. I don't know. <laughs> Are you regretting you came to work today? I don't know. Where Are you regretting I came to work today? <laughs> we started talking. <laughs> it, it, all, it all began the day that they found Sacagawea sleeping on the valley floor. <laughs> In one of the lower elevations. <laughs> Thank you. Ah, uh, it's a callback is what that is. They asked three translators to ask her to her name. And how would three translators help if none of them spoke English? Well, one that had to know English. Then why couldn't... Okay. Then why couldn't he just translate? Why do they need two more? Let's see here. There's no answer to any of this. This whole thing well, is these, a sham. These, st- <laughs> these Indians spoke different languages. It's a house of cards, Tim. 
Some also spoke Plains Indian Sign Language. Uh-huh. Whatever. <laughs> All right. Uh, and also, a Canadian fur trader helped the captains communicate with the Yankton Sioux. <sighs> Yankton Sioux. Mm-hmm. That's funny because it sounds like yank and ensue. Uh, all right. Boy. I, I feel worn out. I hesitate. <laughs> we haven't even started. I hesitate. Yeah, so she just accompanied them. This is, she, she accompanied well, what does that mean? Is that, I mean. Susan Clark on their exploration. She was being generous. Does that mean what I think it means? No. Okay. She was also nicknamed Janie by Clark. <laughs> <laughs> See, there you go. So she, she was, her real name was Hatsara mm-hmm. or Sacagawea or Janie. <laughs> Let's just retard it. That's just stupid. Uh, I I am so wary about answering any of these calls right now. Well, here's, here's the other problem. More than 300 <laughs> languages were spoken in North America before we killed off all the Indians. I mean, send them to better places. <laughs> send them before we introduce them to Jesus to personally, the <laughs> where no one else could live. We'd like you to meet Jesus. We're going to move you closer to him. Uh, Jesus. All right. Who thinks I should answer some of these calls? I think we should answer them all right now. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hi. Rick, Sarah, Tim, it's Jim. Hello. I'm back after having lived outside of your signal area for the last five months, and I just kind of wanted to get a, you know, 25-word synopsis of, one, how your trip to England was, two, what happened to Scotty J, three, is he, is he, like, Doing mornings over at KNRK or no. something. Scotty J's wife happened to Scotty J. Now I'm exhausted. All right, trip to England, Scotty J. What else? Trip to England. Okay, how was it? I'm saying, what else do you, are you gonna have? You have a trip to England, Scotty J. What else? Oh, you know, uh, anything else remarkable that I missed? Uh, why did I answer this call? All right, hold on. Let me pull up a chair. Oh, <laughs> um, I love you guys. I'm so glad to be back. Yeah. Um, all right, so. Um, Wow, I was tired before. Now I have all this crap to answer here. Um, trip to England. Good. Not I- incredibly eventful, uh, but it, it, fun. Lots of, uh, saw lots of cool stuff. Went on Loch Ness. Ate some terrible food. Yeah, um, yeah. Did you, uh, did you see the... Boy, the coffee's you, bad. What? Did you take the uh, walking Beatles tour? I didn't take the Beatles tour, but we took, um, we took a Jack the Ripper tour, which was cool. Oh, yeah. 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 Did you go to the Tower of London? No, but I went to uh, I went to uh, what's it Parliament and to that building that they the old Bailey that they blow up in V for Vendetta. You didn't go to the Tower of London. Look, friend, I'm doing the best I can. Okay, <laughs> I was there for like three days. Uh, let's Don't see. miss that on your next trip to England. Scotty J. Uh, Scotty J. Essentially told uh, by Mr. J that he had to quit. I'm sorry, was that out loud? Uh, yes. So oh, uh, on yeah. the home front to maintain harmony, he had to move on to smaller and browner pastures. <laughs> okay, great. Great to be back in your coverage, Jerry. Thanks for taking Thank my call. Thank you, sir. Okay, All right. bye-bye. All right. Wow. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Rick. Hey. How you doing? Hi. Hey, take a field trip to Fort Gladstone, will you? <laughs> anyway, uh, Sacagawea <laughs> acted as a guide, not so much an interpreter. Uh-huh. Uh, but there was a little tidbit there that Tim mentioned that most Indians uh, or Native Americans did have a common sign language amongst the tribes that they could communicate with each other regardless of their verbal communication skills. That's weird. Is that is that true? They had a different uh, spoken language but a common sign language? That is true. That's really cool. That's really and interesting. also, the uh, Canadian fur trapper that Tim mentioned in, yeah. uh, in passing was actually Sacagawea's husband and father of her child. He won her gambling. Really? <laughs> yeah. So husband is yeah. sort of a broad term. So, 
There's your connection between her not speaking English. He wanted English her gambling. <laughs> Traded her for okay. a case of Heineken. <laughs> All right, thank yeah. you. And bye now. Yeah, bye. <laughs> they sold you the humble pie for a case of Heineken. I was there. I was there. God. Wow. I can see why Tim hates us. Hi, Tim. Do you hate us? I was uh, I was amazed. At, <laughs> that, uh, Thank you. Non denial, uh, denial. Statue of Sackage, are we? Was unveiled July 6, 1905, and moved to Washington Park. And it was made by Alice Cooper. So it can't be the original Alice Cooper, but another one before that. Wow. I really cannot find what Sackage did. That's what I'm she, saying. She was a homemaker. <laughs> she knew her place there. That's what she did. I. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm not trying to, to, to be disrespectful. Of, there are lots of Sacagawea statues around. I, and they, well, there's that Sacagawea the coin. coin. So it's just interesting. I mean, I, I just sort of, I hesitate to even say this because I'm not saying that this is true. But you do wonder if her role was maybe exaggerated over time because it's, cause it, in a, for lack of a, a better day, because it's a good story. You know what I mean? Because it, it's sort of compelling in a dramatic sense. and it And plus... And plus, you wonder if her role was maybe highlighted more than the role of some of the other people who helped him, because it's just an easier story to tell, as opposed to like, well, there was Sacagawea, plus three different interpreters, plus like all these other guys. Like, it becomes sort of an easier story if you just say, well, these two, you know, white guys met Sacagawea, and through her, they discovered all, you know, whatever. So, all right. Well, there you go. Um, She traveled thousands of miles with Lewis and Clark from North Dakota to the Pacific Ocean. Do you see what I'm saying, though, when... They don't illuminate any further by saying she traveled with them. Mm-hmm. Their, their I'm, I'm going to delete that. Yeah, that, I, was, that was bad. <laughs> oh that God. was a mistake, but that sounded really unpleasant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. Well, we don't know. I, yeah. No. Wow. Anywho. At the age of 13, <laughs> she was taken as a wife by Toisson Chabonneau, a French trapper living in the village. Trapper. Yeah, because they're saying she acted as an interpretess. For them. That's not a word. Not, I know. She took another woman named Otter Woman as a wife. Uh, Charbonneau was sent to either purchase both wives. Wait, what? Sacagawea took a woman as a wife? No, no. The, her husband. <laughs> okay. So he had two wives. Yeah, the other one was Otter Woman. Otter, Otter Woman. Did she, was she one of the... Did she, did did she fight... Jamie and Otter Woman. Did she fight crime with Sacagawea on the weekend? Sacagawea and Otter Woman in really Curse of the Golden Mongoose. What? God, you're probably some guild in town is just gonna I, nail it. I am across. simply I'm trying I'm, to I understand. Totally because what I'm finding I'm, I googled importance of Sacagawea and what I'm getting is that she was the interpretess, but now that's saying now it's not true. Don't right? get me wrong, we're second to no one at acknowledging the inherent evil of the white man. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying I don't understand. I'm trying to give proper credit, but I don't understand what that proper credit is because no one can seem to figure out what she did. Well, so. she took uh, Lewis and Clark to the Cove, I believe. <laughs> Do, me take you to me take you to Big K. You, <laughs> you buy discount textiles. <laughs> wow. She took them to the Cove. Do you have like a half an hour dump button? No, I'm just saying this that, is going on for half an hour. Nothing has been accomplished. I just don't understand what she did. That's all I'm saying. I'll have to find you a book somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. This is the most that anyone's wondered about Sacagawea in about 200 years. But do you see what, do you see what I'm saying? That... I totally see what... Now it's very frustrating because I'm looking for it. 
I can't find anything. It's because there's nothing about her. It's because well, everybody just said like. Well, Kitty Kelly never wrote like another biography. Totally. Everybody just said, well, Lewis and Clark, Sacagawea helped them out. You just kind of go, well, okay. How come they didn't get their own coins then? Who? Lewis and Clark. Neither do Pocahontas. I would see. I don't even get me started on Pocahontas. I don't even know who that is. Oh, she's another Indian who the white man. Is that true? I really honestly have no idea who she is. None, zero. What part of the country was Pocahontas in? Uh, she was on the East Coast helping okay. people. That's why I don't know. That's from the Disney movie. On the East Coast, uh, do you do you have to hear about the, do you people have to hear about Pocahontas all the time on the East Coast? No, really. So she's not like the Sacagawea of the East Coast. No, we we have Paul Revere riding around oh, the horses, true. worrying about the British. Mm. <sighs> all right. Well, okay. You should pick up some of these phone calls, Rick. What could go wrong? I bet, I bet your lady friend's going to call back. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. Thanks for taking my call. Hi. Uh, hi, Sarah. Hi, Jim. Hello. Hello. Oh, big fan of the show. It's a good, good show today. Okay. Uh, sure. If you say now, so. I don't, I don't know exactly what she was supposed to do, but you should Google Sacagawea and syphilis sometime. That's kind of an interesting story. Huh? She, started, she, she had syphilis, and by the end of the trip, almost all the guys in the group had it, too. Is this true, or is this like a thing you're making up? No, that's true. Really? How do you know it's true? Um, because... <laughs> Tell me that you knew a guy who knew a guy who's <laughs> dad. Guy. No, honestly, seriously, is that just a thing you heard? I read that somewhere, and I just... Read uh, it somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, no, there are a ton of articles coming up on that. Really? Where she might have, in fact, died of syphilis. Yeah. Maybe they could put that on the coin. Or the putrid fever. <laughs> <laughs> the putrid fever. I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have a band called that. Hello, we're the Putrid Fever. The song is called Impaled on Spikes. <laughs> well, I, I actually was calling because I have an answer for you about the rocks on top of the roof. Oh movie. God, okay. Yeah, because see what you do. It, it, the roofs are flat on those on those gas stations, uh-huh. and the water won't run off. So you got to get the water to evaporate faster. And if you throw a bunch of rocks on there, they uh, their rocks porous and they'll soak up the water and uh, get rid of the water. The water goes into the rocks and disappears. <laughs> Even you don't believe that. No, I, 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 it doesn't. It doesn't disappear. It evaporates faster because uh, air can get in under the rocks and. You have no idea what you're talking about. He's smoking something that's making him choke. <laughs> Bye now. All right, you have no idea he's making that up. I give him credit for trying to pass off some gibberish as science, though. Should we break or take more calls about Sacagawea, whose place in history grows ever more tenuous? Let's take more calls. Okay. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. There's been no news of any kind. I'm sorry, Tim. That's, this is much more interesting. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi. 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 Uh, yeah. First of all, it's not Sacagawea. Oh, it's Sacagawea. And uh, there's a lake in South Dakota... Let me, and, let me, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, my relatives are from there, and yeah. uh, wow. uh, they know the history about it, and that uh, they came down, and uh, Sakakawea actually had a baby with Lewis and Clark, one, one or the other. <laughs> but, they all look uh, the same. They had two, yeah, yeah. They had two daddies. And then they got down... Uh, uh, Aditza has two daddies. <laughs> they got down by the yeah. Dells. 
Okay, you, know, uh, uh, you were uh, wondering what the Dells uh, meant the other day. Yeah. The yeah, Dells? Bob, we're losing your... No, what? Oh, we're... No. Oh, damn it. Oh. oh. Damn it. Had a baby with one or the other. The other one she was just busy getting syphilis to. Wonderful. Let's do one more and then we'll break, huh? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, how's it going? Already? I'm fine. What's up? <laughs> hey, not much. Sacagawea was their guide and an interpreter. And, yes, most of the tribes knew a form of sign language that they all could understand, even if they didn't speak the same language. So she was an interpreter. She knew the sign language. She was the Shoshone. I'm sorry. Shoshone. So these other three. Oh, so she interpreted the sign language that everybody knew. Yeah. <laughs> with, without, with, as Lewis and Clark went across the country, they had no idea where they were going. Right. And so without her asking... They the were the Rick Emerson of their day. Yes? Without her asking the local tribes how to get through a mountain pass or anything else, Lewis and Clark would have died. Excellent. They See? also would have died because she was the one who knew how to tan deer hides to make, oh, pants. As it, was the, as it was, they apparently just died of the putrid fever later on. Well, but. actually they did, yes. And her baby <laughs> was actually from the trapper who she probably got syphilis from... And she gave it to, you know, one guy who probably gave it to another guy. You know, they were out for a couple of years. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, you know what happens on the road, sir. All right. Thank that, you. Yeah. Bye. bye now. That was a relatively lucid call. Yeah. Very that, that was educational. Wow. That's a half an hour of our life. Man, I should gone. not have started Googling Sacagawea and syphilis. It's just like <laughs> don't, madness. What you don't want to do is do that in the hit image. No. Don't hit the image button at the top. Oh, Jesus. And welcome to this edition of the American Experience. <laughs> I'm thinking about just telling Richie we're done with Sacagawea calls. Yeah. I mean, we kind of ended on an up with that guy. It, it we're seems... going to end up and somebody's going to like come in halfway through the topic and they're going to be confused <laughs> and they're going to be really angry at you. I care less about that than about the fact that I'm just done hearing about syphilis. Uh, hey, Richie, that last call, even if it's not true, we're going to believe that the last guy was telling us the truth. It's close enough for jazz, as they say. So, um... Uh, let's uh, let's go through and screen these, Richie. And just uh, if people are on hold about Sacagawea, we'll tell them thanks. But we're we're moving on. We're transitioning, as they say. We come back. We'll do some news. We have a story about a stolen statue of Sacagawea <laughs> found at a scrap metal dealer in Bend. <laughs> Excellent. I like what I'm hearing. Back after this, it's the Rick Everett Show. the corpse he says rick about putrid fever he says putrid fever reminds me of a made-up disease they had on futurama once called the screaming moists and all right thank you here's tim riley i guess we're done with the second <laughs> now we can move on to news of clackamas county <laughs> excellent <laughs> 30 citations have been given out to people who sold wow. alcohol to minors. 30 citations. The businesses caught selling alcohol to minors during a major sweep in Clackamas County. 
December 28th and 29th. Officers sent in the cadets, ranging in age from 16 to 22. They attempted to purchase alcohol at 103 stores throughout the county. They were successful in 30 stores. Among those getting citations are toads. It's in Malala, as in the toad. Uh, Smoker Friendly, Candy's Quick Stop, Maddie's, Dottie's, and Shorty's Corner. These places all sound like they're out of 1930s Brooklyn. I'm going down to Shorty's Corner to get a pint. And stop at Maddie's on the way home, or Candy's Quick Stop, will you? Oh, the, oh, the, to- the Toad Store. Furnishing liquor to all minors in classy misdemeanor and a mandatory minimum fine of $350. That's probably all they make in a year. Probably. Well, have, have you, do you ever get, the, um, do you ever get the, the guys outside the 7-Eleven asking you to buy something when you walk inside? I don't think I've been to a 7-Eleven in years. I, you know, I occasionally, every now and again, I'll get uh, somebody hanging around outside who asks me to buy uh, cigarettes for them. But I don't think I've ever been asked to buy alcohol for anybody. I mean, I wouldn't, obviously, but I don't think I've ever gotten that. Like, they sort of make it seem like that happens all the time. I remember seeing those PSAs on television when I was a kid about the kids who would stand around outside the Safeway or whatever, and they would like, you know, I need some uh, cooking wine for my mom. Can you please buy this? Like, I don't think that's a thing that happens. So, hey, somebody, by somebody, even Aaron wants to know, do we have a statue of Joan of Arc on Northeast Gleason and 39th? The shiny gold one. Yeah, somebody stole that. Before no, somebody spray painted no. that. Yeah, no, they, that's, they that's off, I think it's stolen. head or something. They took off the head of it. Yeah, they took off her head. Um, uh, it's that circle, that roundabout. All right, but I okay, that's right. But I hate to ask this. All right, okay. I never noticed. I never. Okay, can and I tell you this? Holding a thing in on the a horse. decade that I've lived here. I've never bothered to look at that statue. Like my eyes. How can you miss it? My eyes. Well, it's, no, it's always shining in your face. <laughs> in other words, my eyes always remain. Exactly forward, waiting to see if there's a car coming so I can get around the roundabout. Mm. I never stop and like look up. At, I don't think I've ever once raised my head two inches to look up at that statue. Why is there a statue of Joan of Arc? That's a good question, isn't it? Why would anybody want one? I mean, I asked this realizing it's going to trigger a whole other thing, but I, I, I mean, did Joan of Arc do something for Portland? Is there? Am I missing something? She may. Is, is there some Joan of Arc Portland connection that I'm not seeing? Discuss. All right, here's Tim Riley. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Okay. Anyway, Elise Yumamoto won second runner-up in the Miss America 2008 pageant, making as far as any Miss Washington ever has. She is a 23-year-old uh, Wapiter NATO. She uh, uh, native. She tied with Miss Washington of 1959, Sharon Joyce Vaughn of Port. Does anybody care about this? No. Uh, Miss Michigan is the new uh, Miss America. She was crowned <laughs> at Planet Hollywood in Miss, Vegas. Miss Michigan. Miss Michigan. <laughs> Miss Indiana. When first runner-up. I don't know why, but when you're talking about Miss Michigan, I just picture like missing a leg and covered in sores. I don't know why. I don't know why. I think it's rabbits for food or <laughs> exactly. Clubbing a squirrel outside. <laughs> Where's my popcorn popper? Jesus. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, I reckon, guys. Rick and, and the rest. Hello. <laughs> uh, this is Sam in southeast Portland. Just want to let you know about 12.15 in the p.m. today. I was uh, in my driveway. No ice, but I did slip, and I think I got my pants wet. Thank you for this breaking bit of information, sir. If you were wearing a pair of uh, sturdy Sacagawea leather pants, that wouldn't have been a problem. Oh, you brought up Sacagawea? So, uh, she's just arm candy. <laughs> she's a, a trophy interpreter. But that's true, though. She was just arm candy. I know we're not talking about it anymore, true. but she's just arm candy. I like the best part is how you just say it flatly as an absolute, concrete, indisputable fact. It's true. Can that's a scientific thing? fact. What? Just one thing. 
Can I say one thing about Sacagawea? Let's take a vote. Can he? Just one thing and not anymore. Just Darren, one we'll, thing. we'll, one, cu- we'll one cut thing. you off at the second one. I got my finger on the drop button. Go. They really did think that she was really arm candy, and part of the reason why she was with them was to show the other tribes that they were actually friendly to her people. Supposedly. Oh, it was sort of a, many so of my best friends are Indians kind of a thing. Is, that's really what it was. It's not as much as an interpreter of language. It was more an interpreter of uh, their skills and their land and things like that, more than just simply language. It was, uh, it, so it was to show that they had, uh, they, had, they had the love of the Indian people. Right. All right. Thank you. She was a, she was a trophy. She was arm candy. Here's Tim Riley. Uh. Well, moving along. To this is the day. most attention Sacagawea has had paid to her since that coin came out. By the way, I want to note that we really are uh, we we really are showing our locality today. Are those coins still available? You know, uh, I don't know the the answer to that. My wife, uh, by the way, just at the drop of a hat, my wife will go on a long, tiresome rant about how anything that is sort of designed to honor a woman is doomed to failure and eventual revocation. Like, you just don't even, don't mention the word Susan B. Anthony around my wife, because my wife will just go on a whole, and because a woman's on the coin, they design it so it doesn't work, and so it gets taken off the market, because men run everything. It's just like, it's a whole, my wife's this whole thing about, like, if you, if, like, if, and this is my wife saying this, by the way, not me, my wife, who's a woman's studies major, my wife has this whole thing about if they put a woman on something, you can tell that they don't want it to succeed. Like that's how they, that's how they, uh, that's how they designate the things that they're not going to going to support. They'll put a woman's face on it, and it is. She does sort of have a point in that when you think about all the currency in America that's ever had a woman's face on it, yeah. none of it ever lasts. They put it in the market for like a year, and then it's like Microsoft Bob. You know, they put the market and then they well, just... they they pick the most unattractive women. <laughs> wow. Well, they do. <laughs> Susan B. Anthony didn't have a nose you could open letters with. That is true. Everybody thought that that was Johnny Carson on the coin when he came out. (laughs) (laughs) The the best thing is how just like that last guy saying she was arm candy, you just stated that as like like uh, like a known established fact. It is. Everyone thought that was Johnny B. Was Johnny Carson on the Susan B. Anthony coin. Like you've canvassed the country, for, like you've canvassed the country for Zogby International. Wow, she just looks so mean on the Susan B. Anthony coin. I mean, well, she had to wait a long time for that coin, <laughs> doesn't she? I mean, I'm not trying to knock the suffragist movement or feminism or whatever. I'm just saying, like, I don't know when the last time you looked at a Susan B. Anthony uh, coin was. She just looks like a school marm who was about to beat your ass senseless. I mean, she just she looked, she looked like she'd be wearing one of those pins nezes. Uh, and you know what? You know what Susan B. Anthony looked like on that coin anyway. Susan B. Anthony looked like um, the school teacher's wife in Pink Floyd's The Wall. That when he's at home trying not to eat the meat or whatever, and she like scowls at him and he has to eat the fat. Susan B. Anthony looks just like that woman. So I remember seeing, and this is a true story, I remember seeing the Susan B. Anthony coin when it came out when I was however old, and looking at, like, really just instinctively, like, on some visceral level, just being afraid of her. Looking at, sort of, I don't want to use that, and just, like, putting it away because she sort of terrified me. So, anyway. There you go. So it is the assembled opinion of CBS News that they need to put somebody hot on one of the coins for it to work. Well, coins will never be successful <laughs> until they show a little leg. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Here's Tim Riley. Jesus. 
Well, uh, John McCain and uh, Mitt Romney are feuding, calling each other liberals and whatnot. <sighs> the former Massachusetts governor uh, is saying more mean things. I think Senator McCain is uh, is willing to say anything he has to say to try and get elected, and he's been looking for this job for a long, long time. Uh, meanwhile, Al Sharpton is uh, promising something we've all been looking forward to for quite a long time. He promises not to speak for a while. All right. I don't want to get in the primary fight. Mm -hmm. I'm very tempted. I, I, I have some hard opinions. I talk to Senator Obama. I talk to Senator Clinton all the time. Uh -huh. But I think that when I get involved in a civil rights cause, I don't want people to think I'm doing it for a candidate. Whatever. Here's somebody who hasn't spoken for a long time. It's Rudy Giuliani. Who? We've got to have the Patriot Act. We have got to oh. be in a position to do everything we can to prevent an attack on America. And we need Homeland Security as part of that. Oh. All right. Whatever. Anybody care? <laughs> no. And you know what? After Tuesday, it's not going to matter. I mean, I really did for the long... I mean, unless I'm really staggeringly wrong in my calculations, and I don't think I am. And my calculations, I mean, crap that I've seen on, on the news. Uh, I, you know, I said for the longest time I thought it was going to be uh, Rudy and uh, Hillary uh, this fall, but, you know, that guy has really made a mess of it. There's going to be books written about how that guy just sabotaged what would have been just a shoe-in candidacy. I mean, he really has just, he has just tied his own shoelaces together and just fallen on his face. Uh, Brattleboro, Vermont residents will vote at a town meeting over what President Bush and Vice President Cheney should be indicted and arrested for war crimes, perjury, and obstruction of justice if they ever set foot in Vermont. <laughs> The Brattleboro uh, Select Board voted 3-2 to two on Friday to put this controversial item on the town meeting day warrant. According to the uh, the town meeting people, it's up to the board whether or not Brattleboro voters will continue to see <laughs> Every time you say... Look, I didn't want to say this, but you said the name of the town three times, yeah. and I can't catch it. It's just like a mash of consonants. Brattleboro. Okay. Vermont. Okay. On to the next thing. Prostitutes are looking to score at the Super Bowl. Football okay. players aren't the only professionals who will be looking to score in Phoenix this week. Police are getting ready for the oldest profession in the big game's host city. Arizona authorities have stepped up patrols, promising to sweep out so-called circuit girls and their pimps before the big game on Sunday. Circuit girls are upscale hookers in Phoenix who blend in with the high rollers. But it isn't just hookers they have to worry about. Phoenix Police Sergeant Joel Tranter said they'll even be going after the customers at the Super Bowl. Wow, somebody just sent me a picture of Susan B. Anthony. And, I mean, she's only 28 here and already just looks like a grim, humorless, horrible woman. She just, you know, she looks like, um, you know what Susan B. Anthony looks like? Susan B. Anthony looks like Aunt Spiker in James and the Giant Peach. Like one of the two mean ants that would just beat him with an axe handle. Anyway, never mind. We'll move on. Here's Tim Riley. All right, so we have uh, those uh, SAG Awards last night. Let's see what we have here for that. James Gandolfini wins the outstanding performance by a male actor in the drama series for his role in uh, The Sopranos. I didn't know it was the first award, man. It's kind of freaky. Um, it's been ten years. It's an honor. That's all I can say. Thank you. Thank you for this. Appreciate it. I know it sounds like I'm just bitter because that final episode was such a kick in the groin. Mm -hmm. I'm really, I'm so glad The Sopranos is done so they could just quit winning everything. I mean, I've really grown tired of that. Uh, and I hate to sound like a jerk about it. And because of them, Mad Men didn't win. Is that true? Yes. Well, that, that is right because they were the only, because, you know what, that, but I almost, I should have expected that because this is like, it's like when uh, Return of the King, uh, the Lord of the Rings film, uh, you came up, and really The Two Towers is the best of the Lord of the Rings film, I think, in most people's opinion. But it's like The Return of the King won everything because it was the final Lord of the Rings film. And it was like the Academy went, well, it's our last chance to give everything to, to you know, to, to, to Peter Jackson. So that's what it is here. It was their final chance to give just a big, wet tongue kiss to The Sopranos, 
which they did despite the fact that the Sopranos just blew in the last season, and the, the final episode especially. Um, but you're right. It was that, I mean, and it, you know, it's just one of those, it's like the West Wing got to be that way too, where it's like even after it stopped being good, even after it started to suck, the West Wing just won everything every yeah. year. So, and, and the Sopranos, frankly, didn't deserve it no. uh, this year. Uh, the Mad Men really was an exceptional program, much better than Sopranos. Uh, in its final year, anyway. But but you know, but after this, uh, we're done. The Sopranos yeah. won't be winning anything ever again. So, Edi Falco believes she is the luckiest person in the world in her acceptance speech with the outstanding performance by a female actor in a dramatic series. Uh, I felt loved and protected and taken care of at all times. Uh, n- nobody is luckier than me. Nobody. Uh, I am so grateful this, uh, for this. I, I can't even. I'm shaking. I uh, I can't even speak. I think it would have been better if they'd just given the award to Falco instead of Edie Falco. Yeah. Uh, Tony Sirico uh, conveys the crew's thanks as the cast wins the award for outstanding performance by an ensemble in a dramatic series. I'm really not good at this, but we'll give it a shot. (laughs) To the Screen Actors Guild members, thank you. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We worked real hard on the show, and what a hell of a way to go. Now, Daniel Day-Lewis wins the outstanding performance by a male actor in a leading role. And he talks about Heath Ledger. There are many actors in this room tonight, including my fellow nominees, who, who, who've given me that, that sense of regeneration. And uh, Heath Ledger gave it to me. And I'd like to dedicate this to Heath Ledger. So thank you very much. Thank you. That is a, a dumb question. Did they act in anything together? Or did they, no, know they didn't even other? know each other. They did okay. No. I, I wonder about that because, boy, Daniel Day-Lewis, how great was he, though? I, I know I keep saying this. In, in There Will Be Blood, he was really, I'm really happy that Paul Thomas Anderson has such a, because he got eight Academy Award nominations. Right? Yeah. He tied uh, the Coen brothers. Because, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson did Heart Eight, then Boogie Nights, then Magnolia. And then he did this really weird movie called Punch Drunk Love with Adam Sandler, which I know a lot of people... Like and and I, I saw that I really don't like. I didn't really like it either. It's, I, it's like I wanted to because the I'm soundtrack such, was good. Soundtrack is great and and I and I, I I just I wanted it to be good because I'm such a fan of that guy. But you know I just didn't like it. I, I just had to say I didn't like it. And so I was really glad to see him bounce back with There Will Be Blood, especially because he made all those early great films in this rush. And I think, um, by some accounts, uh, he made a lot of those movies uh, under the influence of whatever. Uh, and so you always wonder when 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 they sort of turn their life around that way if the movies if the if the art's gonna suck, um, but it's really just an exceptional film. And you know what I you know what I actually bought uh, too over the weekend was the score for There Will Be Blood, uh, which is just that weird quasi classical kind of piano and violin uh, thing going. It's just really an amazing film. And accepting the award for outstanding performance by a cast in a motion picture for the movie No Country for Old Men, Josh Brolin notes. It's no longer business as usual in Hollywood. Adding that this movie is in uh, is uh, is has something to do with that change. It's a risky movie, and it's nice to have risky risky movies now. You know, especially this year, I think it's a cornucopia of change, and it's about story now. And the studio system is backfiring awfully, and it's fun for us actors. Uh, he was really good. I've never been much of a Josh Brolin fan. 
but he was really, really good. He's, I think, probably the best thing about No Country for Old Men. Everybody else will kind of say it's Javier Bardem or whatever that guy is. But uh, Josh Brolin was exceptional. The only unfortunate thing about, and I know you didn't make this make it this far, but the only thing exceptional uh, or unfortunate, rather, about No Country for Old Men, which is a pretty exceptional film, is that the last 20 minutes of it, as somebody noted, are it's like they're directed by a different person. It's like you've got one movie for about an hour and a half, and then the last 20 minutes, it's like they, it's like the Coen brothers, you know, like they, like they had to go pick up their dry cleaning, and they left and just turned the final 20 minutes over to somebody else. Like they're like, well, it's more or less done. Uh, you just, we're gonna leave. You just wrap it. You direct this final 20 minutes and just kind of tidy everything up. And then whoever has directed the final 20 minutes of the film sort of, it sort of put their foot in it. Uh, but you know, it, 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 the first hour and a half is strong enough that I'll forgive the last 20 minutes. And then we have uh, Alec Baldwin and Tina Fey walking away with Best Actor wins for their roles at NBC's 30 Rock. I think I would have been a school teacher only because I would have had a little captive audience in the classroom and I would have bored them to tears with my presentations. And the big winner for Best Comedy Ensemble, The Office. Kate Flattery of The Office jokes about how she got her SAG card. My very first paid gig, I'm so old, I was an extra in the movie Taps with uh, Tom Cruise and uh, Timothy Hutton wow. and Sean Penn. And that was like my first thing. And then I got my SAG card a year later because I was an extra in Eddie and the Cruisers. Eddie and the Cruisers. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny that she says be, mentions being an extra in Taps. You know what I was thinking about this weekend? Uh, Sarah and I were talking about this. There's a bunch of news reports about the Scientology this weekend, and this this uh, it's a whole law. It's too it's too weird and amorphous to I get just, into. I just posted it on my blog right now. Yeah, that it, is unbelievably it, fascinating. It's a weird amorphous thing, and too too sort of odd to get into here on the air but it, it, you can you should at least say what it is yeah if you go to if you go to uh sarah's blog or you go to google news you can read about this there's some group like there's some what a ragtag band of computer hackers uh that i guess is ha has some online war with scientology going which is it's pretty fascinating to watch so i would it's their quest to take down scientology it, virally it's it really, really is amazing actually if you go uh, so sarah's got a blog about it and you can see the google news I'm so glad you told me about this but i was thinking about but i was thinking about scientology this weekend at the tom cruise and i was thinking about how I forget. I think I was thinking about Cloverfield and then War of the Worlds and how War of the Worlds, the Spielberg version, was really good, but how it's hard to watch anything with Tom Cruise now because you just sort of think, crazy. And he looked kind of crazy on stage last night. Did he? Oh, he was there? Yeah, he was the last presenter. I didn't and know he, that. And he signed off the show. Really? Who made that decision? No, he, he even came in early to rehearse. Who decided to let him on camera? Really? Was he, did he seem, he seemed nutty? He, he, he seemed like really nervous. Hmm. I mean, do you suppose? And he closed out the show. Do you do you suppose on in in any way? Do you think he's so isolated that he doesn't know how he's perceived, or do you think he realizes like how damaged his his film stock is right now? I don't think at this point he could care. You think? Do you think he's just so insulated and rich yeah. and whatever that he doesn't care? Right. Huh? Because I was thinking about all the Tom Cruise movies that I love, and how it's difficult to separate. You know him from him now. Uh, like you know, I love a few good men and Jerry Maguire, and and I was thinking about Taps, which I think is his first role. Him and Timothy Hutton and George C. Scott. Yeah. And which is a great movie, and I, I almost bought Taps on DVD actually over the weekend. It was at Movie Madness, and they were selling it for like seven dollars, and I almost bought it. And then I thought, well, how often am I really going to sit and watch Taps? You know, a lot of times you buy DVDs because you think you're going to watch them and then you never do. So I didn't, I didn't buy it. But man, what a what a great movie that is! And she's an extra in that. I almost yeah. have to go buy it now and watch it just for it. It's a creepy movie too. Mm -hmm. Taps is a pretty great film, and it's 
It's especially creepy if you watch it now because Tom Cruise goes completely bat-ass crazy at the end of it, where he's just machine-gunning people out of the... Literally, if for those of you who haven't seen it, Taps is a great... It is what they call a high concept. It is a one-sentence one concept. It is about uh, students at a military academy who revolt and take over the academy by force. And that's it. And the rest of the movie is a standoff between these kids in a military school and the cops outside. And um, at the end of it, Tom Cruise just goes completely crazy, and it's just machine-gunning the crowd, like, from an upper window with, like, an M60. Going, it's beautiful, man! <laughs> it's just, like, completely freaky. All right, here's Tim Riley. Do we have Tom Cruise? No, we don't. We don't have any sound from Tom Cruise, they, as a matter of fact. That is too bad. Does his image no longer show up on film? Perhaps you try to record him, and you, you try to record him, and you capture only static. Guess how old Caps is. The movie? Mm -hmm. 1980. 81. All right, yeah. It's a good film. Mm -hmm. really is. Oh, and it's got Ronnie Cox in it, who I like. Uh, but it's a, it's a great concept for a film. I'm Sean Penn, Tom Cruise. Sean Penn, that's right. I forgot Sean Penn was in that. Yeah, it's a great idea. A movie you probably couldn't make now uh, because of Columbine. I don't think you could make the movie Tap. Oh, my anymore. God, there's someone named Tim Riley in it who plays Hulk. It's not me. Really? <laughs> he plays someone named Hulk? Yeah. It's hard to believe it's not you. No, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> there's a guy named there's Tim Riley. He plays a guy named Brick Rockstud. All right, here's Tim Riley. <laughs> here's Hulk with more of your news. Well, who wouldn't want the endorsement of Ted Kennedy at this point? He's 76 years old, and yes, he's still from Massachusetts. He's all for uh, Barack Obama, says he. With every person he meets, every crowd he inspires, everyone he touches. He generates new hope that our greatest days as a nation are still ahead. Well, we're going to have to find a good donkey for the convention, won't we? Uh, Democrats have selected their official donkey for the convention in Denver. This is a seven-year-old donkey. Its name is Mordecai. He beat out nine other hopeful donkeys in the donkey pageant <laughs> at the National Western Stock Show in Colorado. Really? Mm -hmm. He uh, preempted the judge, judge's decision by taking a bow and rolling around in the dirt. The donkey's owner says he'll be the party animal of the Democratic I, Party. Yeah, great. I'm trying to find this soundbite. Do you have the soundbite of Ted Kennedy trying to say Barack Obama and mangling the name over and over? Oh, that was a long time ago. I don't I'm trying to find it. I wanted to play it here. Um, okay, so let me ask you this. As a, a New Englander, uh, so rank now, please... Um, well, I guess I don't even need to. I was going to ask you to rank the Kennedys, but I guess it's obvious, right? JFK, RFK, Teddy. Yeah. I mean, okay, well, there you go. Um, I was going to ask you to rank them in terms of, like, public speaking, but, I mean, it's an unfair competition, though, because JFK and RFK died young, and Ted Kennedy's old and drunk all the time, so it's, I guess it's hard to say. But, but here's, and here's another dumb question, though. So in that part of, uh, in that part of the country, I mean, even, the, even Teddy Kennedy, who is the least of the Kennedys, I mean, that, that endorsement, does that just carry a ton of weight? I don't think so. Not you don't anymore. think so, really? No. I would think that, I would think that even Teddy Kennedy still carried a lot of clout in terms of an endorsement. No, I don't think so. Well, all right. Well, Maybe he thinks so. Maybe he's the Tom Cruise of politics. Maybe. He's so insulated. Com completely insulated. I'm trying to find... And there's also another clip of Barack Obama, like, really savagely, like... Uh, Goes after uh, Ted Kennedy and says that he's old and out of touch and needs backbone and what have you. Uh, all right. By the way, you're listening to KCMD Portland. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, uh, a friend lives over there in Massachusetts. I'm sorry, what? A friend of mine lives in Massachusetts. Uh-huh. 
and uh, they refer to an area over there as Chappaquiddick Car Wash when you go over a certain bridge there. Yes. Um, anyway, not really what I was calling about. Was, uh, wasn't Tom Cruise in The Outsiders before uh, maybe. I know he, he was in that, the... Uh, he had like a scene where it was like him and Patrick Swayze and the other people in there, all the different boys who lived in the house there. Maybe. I, I haven't seen The Outsiders for years and years and years. So I think it was forced viewing in the ninth grade or something. Especially if you were a girl. Uh, um, well, no, like by the school, you had to read that as, you had to read that book. Really? Isn't The Outsiders they, like, it's like a gang film, isn't it? Uh, it was kind of, yeah. How odd that that would be required reading if you like your English that, class. He was Steve Randall in this motion picture that came out in 1983. Ah, after taps in your face. Oh, see? Well, hey, there you have it. All right. Patrick Swayze, Thank Rob you. Lowe, C. Thomas Howell, a showcase of stars, and Ralph Macchio. Okay, let's go down the list. What, uh, you just list them off again one by one? Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon. Okay, so uh, Matt Dillon, uh, still a huge star, I would say. Ralph Macchio. No, not so much. C. Thomas Howell. Even less so. Patrick Swayze. Uh, hard to say. Patrick Swayze's got sort of a... Um, I'm trying to think of somebody to compare him to. He's got kind of a David Hasselhoff kitsch value, I think, to him. I think Patrick Swayze, kind of like in Donnie Darko, I think in the right dramatic role, big comeback for him. Rob Lowe. Uh, Rob Lowe does that other... What's that terrible show he's on now? Uh, he left the oh, West Wing. He's on the Sally Fields show. Uh, what? Brothers and Sisters. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, wasn't that, isn't Callista Flockhart on that? Yes. Yeah, okay, yeah. They play brother and sister. He's still a beautiful man. All right. Uh, he looks like a duck. <laughs> Callista Flockhart? Yes. So does Julia Roberts. Yeah. Uh, Emilio Estevez. Emilio Estevez. What is the last thing he did? Well, he did that horrible Bobby movie that we had to pretend we liked. Uh, what is the last thing Emilio Estevez acted in? I don't remember. I think that, I think he does mostly directing now. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Leaf Garrett, no photo available. Leaf Garrett's not in that. Get out. Yeah. In The Outsiders? Mm -hmm. As who? Bob Sheldon. Well, all right. Shows what I know. Di right. Diane Lane. Diane Lane. That's before she made movies like Untraceable. Do we know how Untraceable, which was filmed in Portland, do we know how it did that this, this weekend? Did it do well? Uh, look. <laughs> do you really? Do we care? I mean, it can't possibly have done... Uh, it can't possibly have done well at all. Untraceable. I think that I think number one was that horrible Meet the Spartans film, which just makes me weep for this country. I think Meet the Spartans was actually the number one movie at the box office, followed by Rambo, uh, to which we have passes, by the way. All right. Doesn't it look like this was like homemade? Doesn't this look like the worst flyer for mm -hmm. a movie ever seen? It, does. it looks like a circular trying to get you to attend like a hip hop concert somewhere. Mm -hmm. All right. Some Here. people gave it two stars. Rambo? No, Untraceable. <laughs> Is that, are those the more generous reviews? I'm still looking. It just looks un, it looks unbelievably bad. It really does. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hey, you know, talking about Tom Cruise and not being able to watch him anymore, I feel the same way about the Michael Jackson music now. Used to love the Michael Jackson music. Now it's just, it just creeps me. Well, see, I and can't do it anymore. See, to me, it's I'm not that way with Michael Jackson because he doesn't even look like the same person. Like when I when well, I look at true, yeah. when I look at Michael Jackson now, and then I think of like Thriller or Off the Wall or Jackson Five. Like in my head, they are just two totally different people. Like absolute absolute works of art, but still like really hard to to just appreciate and enjoy because of who he is. I, it's, and you know, he didn't just like become that way. He's probably always been that way. Oh, probably. It's kind of, I don't know. It's kind of 
It's the same kind of thing. Yeah, I used to love Tom Cruise, but not so much anymore. Boy, Courtney's head point. And I did love him in Taft, and I married a guy from a military academy just because of that movie, I tell you what. Really? Men in uniform, honey, it's hot. Now, but I mean, it, well, I, nope. <laughs> no disagreement from me, miss. Dude, but, so uh, the whole thing. We cut my wedding cake sword. with a sword. A little man with a sword. Love um, a man with a sword. <laughs> but I mean, is it because of Taps, or did you like Taps because you did guys in uniform? Uh, yeah, what's the difference? Well, no, I'm just I, curious I, if the movie... I mean, because I think some people will admit to having an interest in whatever, a music or a type I, I, of culture or a, a yeah, preference in, in partners I, I really because remember, of a film. I re, yeah, I remember seeing Taps and just having it be one of those movies where like, dang, you know, you want to... I need to meet a guy like that. Yeah, Not well, it is... A, it, guy, but, you know, it yeah. is... A, it is a, people, without people the machine that. gunning the crowd part. It is a whole movie of attractive young men in uniform holding it, guns. You're right. Of course. Yes, right. absolutely. Excellent. All right, yeah. thank you. All right, Bye best now. ever. All right, thank you. Untraceable debuts in fifth place, bringing uh -huh. in a grand total of $11,200,000. Uh, $11, but that's on like 2,000 screens, probably. 2,368. Oh, does it hit a per-screen average? It doesn't. What is 11 million? Never mind. Why am I even asking that? Asking that seriously. What is 11 million divided by 2,300? Uh, no one knows. That can't be known. That's That's, that's impossible to know. All right. Uh, I had some observation I was going to make about Tom Cruise. Wait. Oh, yeah. Court and Fatboy have the... I'm actually doing it at 11 million. Do you ever have to... When you're putting in a number, do you ever find it really difficult to remember how many zeros go? You have to count the zeros really carefully? Yes. Okay. That's 110. That's 1,100. That's 111,000. No, that's 11,000. 111,000. 1.1 million. 11 million. Divided by 2,300. For a grand total of... Well, it's like 4700 per screen. I guess that's not terrible. Filmcritic.com says, awful. New York Post says, a putrid little scab of a torture movie. <laughs> that's the best, the that's the best review ever. Plain awful. Seattle Post today. Intelligence, or mediocrity reigns. A, a putrid little scab of a torture <laughs> film. Wow. It's the putrid fever of, of cinema. Jesus. Okay. Remind me never to get on their bad side. Christ. Uh, Court and Fatboy have the best thing. I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask their permission to uh, to excerpt and play it. Um, but they have this excerpt of Tom Cruise from that crazy Scientology video he did. But it's just a segment about halfway through where he just begins like cackling with evil laughter, and they're playing it back to back with Heath Ledger's Joker laugh. And um, but it's just it's it is like the definition of crazy sounding. I mean, it's like one of the craziest things I've ever heard in my life. Like, if you heard somebody, if someone in the Max, or just, you know, today when you're going home in the Max, listen for the person who will inevitably be laughing this way next to you. And, I mean, you'll get up and move across the aisle. And Tom Cruise does this at several points uh, during the Scientology video. So, uh, anyway, do try to catch it. Here's Tim Riley. Well, with the recent brouhaha surrounding Scientology and its followers, Kabbalah's Golden Couple, Ashton Kutcher, and Demi Moore have fallen off the radar. Sources close to the couple say... The timing is good because the couple's relationship with the religion has been called into question as of late. Uh, Ashton and Demi used to have an impeccable attendance record, said one source, with close ties to the Kabbalans. Another source close to the couple says it's been months since the two attended services who participated in the Shabbat dinner after Friday's services. Adding fuel to the fire is the fact that Kucher was just last week spotted shopping on Robertson Boulevard without his trademark red string. <laughs> Yes, Tim? I thought you had something else to say. No, we've just fallen into silence while you while you read ahead. Um, no, but I was wondering this, actually. I was wondering this about Scientology, and I realized I asked that question just 
just knowing that it just uncorks the whole thing. I guess I don't even really know that I'm going to get an answer, but you know what I wonder about Scientology is, it, I wonder about that, whatever, the, the logo or the, the symbol, because it, it looks like a cross, doesn't it? It, it, is, it doesn't look like a cross with, like, spiky, hurty things on it. Yeah. It looks like, like a sharp, looks, pointy cross like, with, like, a flower in it. It doesn't look like a cross that you kill, like you beat somebody with. So, But they're not, like, a Christian faith, right? They're not, like, they're not Jesus-y. They're no, not, they're, no. So why, I mean, why the cross if they're not a Jesus religion? I thought the cross was... I say, asking the many Scientologists in the room, uh, I, I thought the cross was like a solely Christian thing. I do wonder about that. I wonder if they just picked it because it's such a well-known symbol, but it does sort of imply like a sort of Christianity uh, to it. So I always wonder about that. Well, keep on wondering. Time for a snuff watch. Say something, Rick. <laughs> Here's your snuff watch from Monday. Well, the lone president, uh, John Hinckley, uh, Gordon Hinckley, <laughs> who dedicated his life to expanding the group's uh, reach overseas, has and, died in Salt Lake City. And to getting the love of Jodie Foster. Uh, he was only 87. 97. 97. 97. A statement released by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, as Mormons call themselves, said Hinckley has passed away at his apartment in With all his money, he was living in an apartment in downtown Salt Lake City at well, 7 o'clock. Religion of the people. From causes uh, incident to age. It did not elaborate. I guess it was quite the mess. Died from being alive for 97 years. Members of the family are at his bedside, aren't they always? A successor <laughs> is not expected to be formally chosen by the church's quorum. Surrounded by his hundreds of creepy grandchildren. So they're going to get some 12 apostles together uh, after his funeral within the next few days. But a tradition is followed. The 81-year-old uh, Thomas Monson, the senior member of the quorum of the 12 apostles, has taken over as president. I have no idea what this is about. <laughs> He was considered a prophet by the church members. Uh -huh. He served as president since uh, March of 1995. The um, Again, I don't mean to be picking on the Mormon faith. They're no crazier or less crazy than anybody else. They're just a different kind of crazy. Uh, it is interesting about the Mormon church how apparently uh, prophetdom is a thing you can just vote to give somebody. Because that's the deal, where they have, um, they have the quorum of the Twelve, which is like, uh, that is like, uh, what is it, the, um, the cardinals or whatever? Who is it, those guys who vote on the Pope? I think it's cardinals. Yeah, the College of Cardinals. Yeah, they get together and they vote on the Pope and they burn the thing and there's white smoke and whatever. Mm -hmm. The Quorum of the Twelve is like the College of the Cardinals. Uh, and, and I do believe that they all get together and they vote or they decide, but then the, the new president comes from one of their own, like one of the Quorum of the Twelve. What's wrong with these, this religion that people don't parade around in funny hats and robes like the rest of the religions? <laughs> no, have you ever... Well, they, of course, they look like Am Amway sales. I was just going to say, have you ever been to a, a, a Mormon a church service by any chance? I've been to a Mormon funeral. Uh, I've never been to a Mormon funeral. What's it like? Well, he was saying that this person who died was going to get their old body back. Oh, no. They're in perfect condition. No, they're How do they know that? They're big believers in that. Well, that's why you can't... Uh, no cremation if you're Mormon. No tattoos. Uh, whatever, they frown on, on anything that disfigures the body because they think, just saying, they have this whole thing about how after death you're going to need your body in the condition. Like, you better take care of it because you're going to need that for the next, you know, Then what for, happens if forever. you're in a car accident? Well, I always ask that, but then you just get that sort of like, well, the Lord works in me. You shut up. Quit asking questions. Um, and I always ask, I don't always, when I was first living in Salt Lake and a, and a young uh, troublemaker, 
I always used to just ask, like, well, you know, like God created everything. Like, why can't he just, you know, like you lose a hand, like, why can't he just fix it? And they would just, there was really no answer they could give to that. It, it, but they got this whole thing that you have to be nice to your body because you need it for, like, forever. Blah, blah, blah. Um, what was I saying? Oh, but, but so, um, so what, so they were saying that he would need his body in the afterlife. Anything else? Was there anything else uh, that would differentiate it from a normal, let's say, Judeo Christian funeral? It wasn't air conditioned. Well, you know, they're a hardy people. Um, I've been to, you know, here, I will say one, here's one great thing about Mormons. Their, their wedding services are like that. Done and done. I mean, over in like 30 seconds. Now, I'm not talking about the ceiling in the temple. That's a thing that we couldn't go to anyway because we're Gentiles. But the, if you go to a Mormon wedding, man, you walk in, you sit down, they step up, bada bing, bada boom. You take her, hurrah, zing, zam, done. And then you go sit down at the table and there's always nut cups. Always nut cups, those little like Dixie cup things with like assorted nuts and butter mints. Mm. Every single Mormon wedding you will ever go to will have nut cups. Um, anyway, uh, and then and then there's a the thing. Uh, but if you ever go to a Mormon church service, it, it's funny that you say Amway because it is abs. And I don't mean any disrespect by this, but it absolutely in tone and tenor and appearance is exactly like a multi-level marketing meeting. I mean, exactly. I mean, and, and first of all, because they don't have sort of big, ornate churches like we're used to in, like, the Catholic faith. I mean, they really, it really is like a big conference room. Uh, and plus, here's the, here's the other thing. Um, and I say, when I say these things are strange or weird, I mean only to my Catholic perspective, because that's how I grew up, and you get used to things a certain way. Like, they do the, um, you know, like we have the host and the wine or whatever. They do, like, little pieces, I swear to you, little pieces of white bread which is, like, really perfect in, like, a hundred ways, and water. So it really is, like, it really is, like, the, like the perfect thing for Mormons because it is, in many ways, sort of a bland faith. It, it literally is pieces of white bread and warm water I, because, you know, oh, no, and they have the grape juice, too, and there's grape juice. But it's, um, but they have, uh, it's, it's because, you know, there's no wine. So their whole thing was that God just had the grape juice. Um, so, but, but, the, but the church services are really, they're kind of, comforting in a weird way because what's what's great about mormons is they have stripped away all of the creepy weird pagan gothic imagery because you know catholic church is kind of scary in a strange way you know lots of stained glass and like images of like thorns being shoved into jesus's head and look here's a big picture of god being flogged barbed wire around somebody's head <laughs> totally and like what's this well it's a man throwing a spear right into jesus's side step up and touch the wound kids and you know mormon like very tellingly they don't use crucifixes at all they have in fact they don't have crosses either uh, the mormon church is completely crossless they don't have that it's like a big m like <laughs> in the Mary Tyler Moore show. And an M with a halo, of, a halo hanging rakishly to one side. Um, no, it's it's very, uh, it is a very mainstream, it is really, I think, in many ways, Mormonism, the Latter-day Saint religion, is the great religion of the late 20th century. It is a very, Mormonism is probably the most American religion there is. Because it's very corporate, very structured, very regimented, very aesthetically pleasing, they're incredibly uh, well-crafted with their public image and the way that they try to be perceived by the outside world. A very strong sense put on financial stability. Uh, it is a huge teaching of the Mormon church to be prosperous and economically successful, to save, to not fritter away your money, to invest wisely. It is it is kind of the ultimate American faith in some ways. So, um, anyway. They knock it. They gave us Marie Osmond. No, you know. And I was just going to say, and really just a bounty of uh, of incredibly attractive men and women come from the Mormon church. So you, you really have to respect it just for that. Uh, and plus, the Mormon uh, temple in Salt Lake is freaking amazing. I mean, it's just mind-blowing when you see that. So, 
Anyway, Gordon B. Hinckley was like a billion years old, and he's dead. It what? is. It is. Side one quick note. Yeah. It is interesting. Somebody noted this this morning that Joseph Smith was, I think, 17, 18, something like that, when the angel Moroni appeared and was like, "Hello, hey you, blah da da," and like gave him golden plates and whatnot. Who's this angel again? Yet Moroni. Yet ever since then, it's always been like hundred-year-old white guys. It originally was fine for it to be like an eighteen-year-old. Ever since then, like they've never had, uh, they've never had a president of the church who was under like five hundred years old. All it's right. kind of like the Kremlin. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. All right, that's uh, part one of your stuff. Watch. Here's a godless person to talk about next. Christian Brando, the oldest son of the late actor Marlon Brando, is dead. He was 49. He looks like he's 70. He died Saturday morning at L.A. at an L.A. hospital after suffering from pneumonia. He was born on the 11th of May, 1958, as a result of his father's affair with actress Anna Shakti. Uh, he had some small roles in several movies, including Yentl, I Love You, Alice B. Talkless but never found the same level of success as his Oscar-winning dad. In 1990, he pled guilty to manslaughter for the killing of his half-sister Cheyenne's boyfriend, Dag Drollett, at the uh, Brendel family estate. What on... name? Dag Drollett, at the estate on Mahomes. Something, something uh... Yosemite Sam yells out when he stubs his toe. In uh, <laughs> 2005, he again pled guilty to two counts of domestic violence against his ex-wife, Deborah. Wait. Claiming he frequently beat her and threatened to kill her. The other day, we were convinced he was dead. Yeah. We were convinced he was dead like two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Well, he is now. Uh, he was hospitalized at Hollywood Presbyterian Medical Center earlier this month, according to his attorney. And he was expected to make a full recovery. <laughs> That's when you knew he was hosed, by the way. Ah, uh, all right. Um, and uh, blah, 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 and uh, whatever. All right, there you go. Uh, that guy, dead. dead. So if we wait long enough, we are right about everybody being dead. Yes. We should just do So eventually, we, we always become correct. There's your snuff watch. Here's Tim Riley. Well, wouldn't you know it in this weather? Boys stick their tongues on frozen flagpoles, and you know what happens. Two fourth-grade boys, mimicking a scene from the Christmas story, wound up with their tongues stuck to a frozen flagpole. Where? This happened in Miami. Well, this is from Miami. How is that possible? I do. Isn't that was like 100 degrees and sexy there? Yeah. It, it's from Miami. Maybe it's cold out there this time of the year. Okay. Uh, Gavin Dempsey and James Alexander were serving on flag duty at Jackson Elementary School with the job of raising and lowering the school's flags. They decided to see if their tongues would really stick to the cold metal. They decided to try it because they thought all TV shows were lies. <laughs> no, everything you see on television is the Lord's truth. One of the moms said, I can't believe he did it, but he learned his lesson. James says he plans to eat a lot of ice cream to help nurse that wound. When you're young, you just keep messing around. Uh, Billy Dempsey, Gavin's mom, told the nurse uh, she called them to tell them that the boys' tongues were bleeding. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, now, you wonder if... Can I just be disgusting? Do you mind? No, I no. don't want to hear what you're going to say. No, no, no. Here's all I'm wondering. Well, first no. of all, did anybody in this room ever do this? Yes. No. Really? Tim, no. No, you were a sensible lad. Sarah? Please tell me you've stuck your no, tongue no, on, on a flagpole. No, I've never stuck my tongue on a flagpole, but like I've had, like when you're eating a popsicle and like it's too cold, a, a and it rips off some of your tongue. Yeah. That hurts. You know what a friend of mine did growing up? This idiotic kid named Lenny. Doesn't Lenny sound like a guy who'd be dumb? I think maybe that's a little residual, like Lord of the, uh, not Lord of the Rings. What, what's the thing I think? Oh, Mice and Men. Um, you know, wasn't Lenny the dumb guy? Wasn't Lenny the retard in, in of Mice and Men? 
He was oh yeah, wanted to yeah. go have rabbits in the country, mm-hmm. and at the end they have to kill him because he rapes that woman or whatever. Um, why do they have us read that in school? What a messed up book that is. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking about that. That's like how Jesus. That's like that Coward of the County song. We were thinking about how revolting that is. Um, but this kid Lenny down the street, he didn't stick his tongue on a a, 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 a flagpole, but the chain link fencing in front of his house was like a what do you call it? Like the top of a like the top of a fence post. It was like a metal ball or whatever. I don't know what you call that, but it was like that knob like to be on top of a stair like a banister or whatever. His front, his in front yard, there was a chain link fence that swung open. There was a gate that swung open, and on either side there was a metal post with a metal ball on top, like at the top of a flagpole. And so his brother said, "Hey, Lenny, this this was in like December while we're waiting for the bus. Lenny, put your mouth around that metal ball on top of the fence post, Lenny, and just stuck his whole mouth." around this little metal frozen ball. And, of course, immediately the bus comes around the corner. And Lenny, Lenny is, Lenny's mouth in December, Lenny's mouth is all around this metal frozen ball that's on the top of the fence post. And, of course, that's his tongue, his lips, like his, his gums for all I know. And so he can't, he's, he tries to pull back, and there's that whole, like, uh, uh-oh. Uh, 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 and he starts pulling back, and he realizes it's not going to work. So what does his helpful brother do? Yes, grabs him by the hair and just... Ah. <laughs> Good times. Um, and, yeah. So the thing I wonder about these kids is... Yes. So do you suppose the kids... So their tongues frozen at the flagpole. Do you suppose the kids pulled the tongues off slowly, or do they do, like, all at once in, like, a fast ripping motion? All at once, because they're kids. <laughs> and not very bright. No. Okay, so somebody has sent me a picture. So this is what I'm talking about. This... That Scientology... Yeah. Thing. So that's just... It's odd, don't you think? Yeah, it's a run of the mill cross. Yeah, but somebody I mean, hanging on there. But I don't think they're. Uh, but I don't think they're Jesusy. Well, I don't think they're Jesus Je- is not on that cross. Yeah, well, that's a fair point. They were they were waiting for Jesus, like waiting for Godot. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, what would the cross represent if they're not a, if they're not a Jesusy people? You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. It's just it's 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 just sort of strange. I don't know. It would be like. Uh, I don't know what it would be like. I was going to say it would be like us having, like, a mascot with a grizzly bear, like, with sunglasses playing a guitar. I realize now that's a stupid analogy. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hello. Uh, I saw Untraceable last night. Why? Oh, I wish I could wash my brain because it was free. <laughs> oh, well, that's a good reason. I didn't have to pay. How was it free? Did someone else pay for you? Most or? certainly. Uh, yes. Now, was this a gentleman friend of yours? No, I went with my family. All I right. took my little nieces. Well, not little. They're 16 and 17, but... That's a good family We. Yeah, oh, my God. Two minutes into it, they're torturing kittens. I knew I should have left. Wow, really? Oh, man. Is this what made it a putrid scab of a torture film? Well, of course, now the Lenny story. Not that I'm opposed to cat death. Don't get me wrong. I'm not opposed to cat death. The Lenny story has me cringing too, Rick. Right now, I don't know whether it was the kitty that bothers me more or you ripping Lenny's lips. It wasn't me. No, 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 no. That wasn't me. That was his brother who did that. His brother Gabe. Oh, I see. Wasn't me. I, I merely watched and laughed. I'm from Alaska. That happened all the time. You'd think that you Up people there. in Alaska would be you like that would that gene would be bred out of you eventually. No, retards are retards, you know. <laughs> when you're eight, you're eight, whether it's in by the way, is that Miami, Canada? Or I, it doesn't seem like in Miami you would be able to do this. That's that was Miami was sort New of Zealand wondering, wondering about Miami Miami in the Antarctic. Um yeah. So let me ask you this on the classic one to ten scale, how bad was untraceable? Unbelievably bad, minus two. Really? What, what would, you, what would you say was the worst thing about it? 
Oh, it's hard to choose. Was the acting terrible? The acting was terrible. Was the um, technology completely unbelievable? You know what the good part was? They showed really good shots of Portland. Uh, I heard that they made a Real look... detailed, nice shots of Portland. But I heard it was one of those things where... First of all, I don't know why they choose Portland when they want to have a rainy city, because as anybody who works in film knows, when you shoot rain, it never shows up. In other words, rain doesn't appear. I believe they, they made it rain with fire hoses. <laughs> but I mean, what, but you see what I'm saying? Why would they, not that I'm opposed to films filming here, but I'm saying, why would you come to a city where you want it to rain all the time when, well, when you just, have to bring rain machines anyway, because rain doesn't show up on camera? It's not just rain. Remember, we are a dismally doomy city. Of course. You know, it, it has that overcloud of doom. Does it, is it like, um, let me ask you this, does the, and of course, because we're in Portland, I have to nitpick about the way the city's re, you know, represented. Do, do they make it, because somebody said that in Untraceable, it's not just that it's rain, they make it look like that downpour monsoon rain that we don't really ever get. Yes, yeah, there was course. a scene like that where it was yeah. like the umbrella was making more noise than everybody else. Because everybody here uses umbrellas. Every <laughs> single person in Portland. Yeah, that was good too. And they, they showed Pioneer Square for a real brief second, but there was like nobody in it. You know, I was like, okay, well that was... Couldn't uh, afford the extras. Yeah, evidently. But, All right. Okay, I'm out. Bye. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Yeah, I got a little bit of insight into the Scientology thing. All right, now, is this a thing you really want to go forward with? Yeah, yeah, I'm not a Scientologist. Okay. I just have a little bit of experience with the, the uh, organization. Now, what insight into what? What are you going to be giving us insight into? And I'm sorry I ended with a preposition like that. No, it's fine. Um, the, your question about like why they have the cross what? their symbol, but they're not really Jesus. Yeah, I'm just, it's like not a Jesus thing, so I'm wondering from whence the cross derives. Well, I can't answer that. Like, I'm not a Scientologist. Okay, thanks. Uh, but I was sent to, like, their school, the Delphi School, which is, like, in Oregon uh -huh. a few years ago, a crazy boarding school. I went there for a summer. I was, like, 13 years old. And I, I didn't know anything about Scientology. My family didn't know anything about it. They're just like, hey, good school. Here you and go. Yet, and yet they just, okay, so it would make perfect sense that you would go there. Yeah, my family loves me. Um, but I'm walking around, like, the first couple of days. I'm like, wow, this place is kind of crazy. The building was a monastery before it was a school. And I go into this room, and it's a chapel. But there's no, like, religious iconography or whatever the real word is. Right. There's like Stuff. no big crosses. Yes. And I asked one of the, the, the guys there, I was like, so what is, what kind of chapel? He goes, oh, it's for whatever you want. You can believe in, you can be Christian, you can be a Buddhist Scientologist, you can be this and that. I was like, well, how is it a religion? And he goes, well, we don't ask questions like that. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. And this is, this is what they give me. When I start to ask questions, they're like, well, here's a little bit of information, and then shut up. Well, it's, it's sort of a Zen koan of a... It is what it is not, and all that you can say, you know, whatever, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. It's one of those things. All right. Well, I didn't really answer the question. Thank you. Appreciate it. Who even knew there were boarding schools? Funny you don't see a lot of PBS uh, series set in, you know, like Scientology boarding schools with rolling countrysides and pony rides. Here's Tim Riley. Well, snow and ice made quite a mess today, and it looks like more snow showers could be coming. Really? We're back to... Yes, we okay. <laughs> The forecast of the National Weather Service calls for occasional showers uh -huh. and sun breaks throughout the afternoon. Showers could fall as a mixture of rain and snow, and more so at the higher elevations. Not to be confused with the valley floor. Less than an inch of additional snow is possible between 500 and 1,000 feet. So consult your weather map. <laughs> and find out how high your neighborhood is. I know when a statement's being directed at me. Okay. Yes? Let's do one more and then we'll break. All right. Did you know that fighting with your spouse <laughs> can be beneficial? No, I didn't. Well, that's what a study from the University of Michigan suggests. Researchers said couples in which both the husband and the wife suppress their anger die earlier than members of couples who fight continuously. 
<laughs> the researchers looked at 192 couples over 17 years and placed them in one of four categories. In the first, both partners communicate their anger. In the second and third, the spouse expresses while the other suppresses. And in the fourth, while the husband and wife suppress their anger. When both spouses suppress their anger uh, from the other... Hard to follow. Well, fight with your wife as much as possible and you'll live longer. Or will it so just, you can live a long, miserable life or have a short, happy, well, quiet Or life. will it just seem that I'm living longer? That courtesy of the University of Michigan. Money well where the spent. New, where the new Miss America comes from. <laughs> Pets or meat. <laughs> you know that they just regret the day he ever filmed that scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know what we're talking about? Have you seen Roger and Me? No, uh, yeah, yeah, I did. Roger and Me. Back. There's that sequence in Roger and Me uh, when he's Michael Moore's walking around Flint, as is his want, uh, demonstrating through uh, anecdotal evidence how the city's just gone to, gone to S. Uh, and there's he's showing that woman who is raising rabbits uh, for either, quote, pets or meat. And, of course, that's like his, his illustration of how poor the city is, that people are, like, having to raise rabbits to eat them to cook their own food. And, so, and the woman is just not that bright. And he's like... So anyway, how about these rabbits? And she's like, yeah, I got these rabbits for pets or meat. And the whole scene is like as she's talking to him, she's like nonchalantly hanging this rabbit up and like oh, hitting it with a mallet. I remember that. That I mean, was so terrible. Yeah. So there you go. So pets or meat. So that's and you know that like like the Michigan Tourism Board just looked at that movie and just you know it's just they wring their hands. All right. Now police and soldiers who are attempting to control hundreds of thousands of travelers. Stranded by the snow at a major train station in China, as blizzards and ice storms have created a transportation crisis during the nation's busiest time of the year. I didn't snow and no snow there either. The freakish weather has already affected 67 million people for a total economic loss of 2.5 billion dollars. The city of oh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that <laughs> something Chinese says that uh, approximately 200,000 stranded travelers, mostly migrant factory workers, filled up a huge plaza in front of the city's main train station. They spilled onto a busy road that has been closed to give people a chance to camp out while they wait for trains. Oh, by the way, February 7th is the start of the Chinese New Year. The year of the... Cat? No. Dog? Monkey? Pig? Keep guessing. Squirrel? Moose? Scorpion? <laughs> the year of the moose. That's wonderful. That's the best of the guesses. No, year of the rat. Moose is better, though. We're going to start calling it the year of the moose. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Hello, fellow glorious worker. Come take part in my permanent revolution. <laughs> Let's take a break. Back after this. From each according to his ability to each according to his need. <laughs> That's today's 2% joke. Back after this. Emerson Radio Program. What was that, Tim Riley? I said everybody's nice. Is that your company line? 
Is that the party line you're going to stick with? It is. We have friends to all. Man, it's like 140. Don't we have any guests today? Uh, well, we may or may not be talking to Peter Carlin. I'm unclear about that. We uh, left a message. We haven't heard back. But you know, you know that guy is. Mm. Oh, and I and I got a sounder for him finally. Hold on a second. No, this Please is tell not... me it's the theme for the Cavemen Show. No. Wow. Is there a theme? I don't know. There has to be if it's a show. Is it still on the air? I don't know the answer. That really would be. Ah, uh, see, that's. Ah, uh, see now. Now that this isn't. Now this is going to seem interesting <laughs> at all. Everybody suggested this though, and by everybody I mean like two people. Uh, this won't mean anything to Sarah, but this will mean something to Tim and to many people in the audience. A bunch of people suggested that we use this for Peter Carlin. Because that is the sound that uh, CBS television used to use when they would introduce a special television event. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, I'm going to use that until we get something. I have to see if there's, a, if there's, I have to see if there's a caveman theme song. Are you way ahead of me over there? No, I can't find it. Let's all see. Right. Well, who knows? You know, theme songs are one of those things that television shows had, and then they all kind of went away for yeah, a while. that's too bad. Like, all during the late 80s, early 90s, there were no TV theme songs. You know the show that really brought back the TV theme song? Friends. 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 See, that's easy. Friends is really the first show in a long time that had a theme song. Uh, and now, uh, you know, now it is, it is, it is ascendant once again. I got this thing about spam I got to talk about here in a second. Oh, we got, oh man, I saw the best entry this morning. I got to tell you, these spam uh, sculpture entries, and I put a thing on my blog about this. I put a little bulletin on the uh, the MySpace. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, this is your final week. You got, uh, you know, don't panic if you haven't done it yet. You got today, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and all Fridays. So you got five days to do it. Uh, but you got to get your entries in by 3 p.m. this coming Friday for the uh, Spam-A-Lot contest. And this, I read, I read this review. Check out this guy. He sent me this review. He stayed at the Wynn Hotel. And in case you have uh, not heard about this, we're giving away a trip for two uh, to see Spam-A-Lot in Las Vegas. Hotel, airfare, uh, lodging at the Wynn Hotel in Vegas, and, of course, uh, VIP tickets to Spam-A-Lot. Um, he said, uh, the Wynn is one of the nicest hotels in Las Vegas. It is absolutely unbelievable. It occupies more land than any hotel on the Strip. It has an 18-hole golf course, a huge shopping mall right next to it. Every room has a view, either of Vegas or of the golf course. The rooms are awesome. Marble floors, um, carpet, whatever that is, flat-screen TVs, electrically-powered drapes. One wall is all glass, floor-to-ceiling. He says, it is the Tim Riley of hotels. Who said that? This guy, um, Phil, no. stayed at the, the uh, Wynn, because it's the Tim Riley Hotels. Um, he says, uh, out front, hidden away from the strip onlookers, is a waterfall. You can sit outside, and every 30 minutes, there is a three-minute show they put on with Brazilian music and the waterfall. Says the food is especially great. Anyway, so there That's you go. torture. I, well, I'm not going either. I know. Anyway, but you see, do you hear that? Oh, we're supposed to be going to Vegas soon. Shh. No, I don't know. We've talked about it, but I don't know if it's going to happen. We have talked about maybe later in the year trying to do a, a show thing in Vegas, but it, it is very up in the air. But this, right there, that, short and half, uh, that Wynn Hotel, we are giving away VIP seats at Spamalot, plus your airfare there and back for you and a friend, plus lodging at that hotel I just described, which this guy, it has been, I read a thing the other day, called it the plushest hotel in the entire country. So here's the deal, though. You gotta enter, and you gotta do it before the end of the week. You have until Friday at three. That's it. So the deal is, you create a sculpture made out of spam. Uh, people, here's some of the questions we've been asked. Uh, people have said, uh, "Can uh, I use as much spam as I want?" Yeah, it doesn't matter. Use one can or a thousand cans. Doesn't matter. You can fry it. You can chop it up. You can do whatever. 
you can use the spam and the can or cans that it came in. Uh, you just can't add anything to it. Like, you can't add a bunch of Tinker Toys or something to it. You can't use a bunch of Legos. So just the spam and the can. Um, but uh, that's it. Other than that, the only boundaries, as Rod Serling would say, are those of your imagination. You got until Friday at 3 p.m. So I, I saw another great entry this morning. And, uh, again, I don't mean to sound agog at this, but it was another one from a woman. And you think of... Monty Python and spam sculpting as being a guy thing for some reason. I'm a, just because guys are dorks. But uh, this is another one by, and it was really good. I don't want to give away what it is because I don't want to, you know, I don't know, influence anybody's ideas or whatever. But it's a, it, it is sort of Monty Python related. So really well done. Uh, so the deal is make your spam sculpture and then you submit it at 970.am. 970.am. Uh, That's where you do it. So you got until Friday at 3 p.m. So get those done. Get them done. Um, you look like you have that look on your face, like maybe breaking news. No. No. Okay. Thank God, because last time it was breaking news, that was the whole Heath Ledger thing. I'm like, oh. I don't think I we can take any more breaking yeah. news. All right. Uh, well, let's. Uh, we do have. I have this question about spam to ask here in just a, a, a few, though. But let's do this, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth. It's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Hundreds of contract workers have tried to clean up and repair fire damage at the Monte Carlo Casino Hotel on the Vegas Strip. The work comes after that Friday fire on the exterior foam-based sculpting that caused employees and guests in some 2,400 evacuated rooms to leave. The operator of the hotel, MGM Mirage, says it, uh, it still isn't clear when the 3,000-room casino hotel will reopen for business. They're waiting for the company to remove or secure the burnt exterior facade along the roof and prevent debris from falling down. Monte Carlo workers who were not involved in the cleanup are being paid in full during the lull, but are asked to call a hotline to determine their work schedule. Guests staying on the 26th floor and below were allowed back into their rooms Friday night and Saturday to retrieve their belongings, and then everybody had to get out. By late Sunday afternoon, all but 100 rooms have been emptied of personal items. MGM Mirage officials say they'll now begin shipping items left behind to guests at their homes. Imagine that. Oh, good customer service. Is that? Mm-hmm. A, did we determine that was a Steve Wynn hotel? No, we did not. I think he owns half think, of it. I think he owns part of it. Yeah. So uh, that's that. All right, then. Uh, this guy says, Rick, about spam, can you use food coloring? No, I do not believe so. I think it, it has to be just the spam and the can, and that's it. I don't think you can alter it in any way. I think you can cook it, we determined, but I don't. Uh, I think beyond that, so no. So as many cans of spam that you use, can you use all the cans of spam? Yeah, yeah. You can use the spam and the can in which it came. That's it. Uh, I don't think you can add anything to it, or and I think using food coloring would be considered an external object. I don't think you can use any external objects in your sculpture. Uh, but here's the but here's the thing. This all does beg this question. So we have all these entries coming in for the spam contest, uh, which you got to be in by Friday the uh, the third. You can find out more by the way at 970.am. It's a great uh, little uh, spam logo there you click on. Um, Oh, by the way, check this out. Uh, just before I ask this question, check this out. This guy says you go into the. Um, this guy went to the. Uh, this guy uh, saw. Uh, went to the Win. He says, you go to the Win booking office. You were in one of the most expensive buildings in Las Vegas, but in the corner is a glass presentation case uh, containing nothing but a tin of spam. So uh, anyway, um, blah 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 blah. Uh, so, but we're taking all these entries. Uh, we'll narrow it down to ten, and then from ten. We will narrow it down. And all those ten finalists, by the way, will win a copy of Monty Python's Life of Brian, the Immaculate Edition, the box set, uh, just for quali- you know, just for being a finalist. Then the top three will bring their sculptures into the studio, 
and then one of them will be selected as the grand prize winner. But what if one of them's really fabulous and they can't carry their sculpture? What if it's too big? What if they melt? Well, see, this was going to be my question. So somebody then asked me for spam preservation tips, and I didn't really have an answer to that. I had, I really had no answer. Did you that spray lacquer? Lacquer? Uh, I don't know. What do you mean? What do you mean? Like for furniture? Yeah, or like for um. Like for like a paint sealer, so, or like you know, like spray paint it. I used it on my soapbox derby car. See, like a nerd, I just of course, like a guy, I like automatically clear, just like think of aquanet, like lacquer, like some yeah, something like. Now will that but will that eat away? If you put that on meat, will it uh, will it dissolve it or something? Tim, what happens if you spray lacquer on meat? I have nothing to do with meat. <laughs> okay, even before you answered, the little narrowing of your eyes as, as you pondered the inanity of that question, just sort of like a puzzled squint, that really was worth asking. it. Even though I knew I was going to get no response, it was like it was like you couldn't possibly... It was like you were trying to find the words to explain how dumb that question was. <laughs> it's just the expression. <laughs> Oh, uh, Rick. Uh, that was really funny. Um, well, somebody will tell us. I just don't know. Maybe we should experiment or something. Now, mm. now, would you get this at like a hardware store? Do you know what she's talking about? Yeah. Lacquer, spray lacquer. Yeah. Yes. Yes. All right. Is this like? Is it like um? It's like uh, spray paint, like, but clear. like varnish or veneer. Yeah. Like yeah spray it's paint, but chemical. Clear. Okay. I wonder like if you clear nail polish. You know. I wonder. It probably is a lot like clear nail polish, actually. I wonder if we have any spam here. We do. Richie has some spam. There is some spam. Do you have nail, clear nail polish by any chance? No. I'm sure somebody, one of the sales girls upstairs must. Let's see. We could do we could do that experiment today. We get some clear nail polish. Maybe Richie has some. Yeah. Who are we calling? Uh, the front desk. Oh. Mm -hmm. Presumably. We'll Good thing we're doing this in real time. <sighs> Well, normally Dave's in is very, you know, it's probably not Dave. That's why Dave's probably in his lunch break. Probably getting some laggard. Good thing I'm not calling it by advertising. Well, maybe I'll just advertise somewhere else. Maybe I'll put my money on KPAM. I thought it went to kink if somebody didn't answer for a while. Probably. Doesn't that seem like a thing it would do? <laughs> when in doubt. That's like anything else. Money that's left unclaimed goes to kink. Oh, please, you're kidding me. Thanks for calling CBS Radio Portland. You've reached the offices of 101 KUFO, Move in 1075, and AM 970. If you know your party's extension, I don't. dial it now. <laughs> for a directory by name, oh, God. press 1. Really? To reach an operator, dial 0. I zero. I wonder where 0 goes. I wonder if it just goes back to the same desk that I dialed where no one answered. There's like... Thank you for calling KUPL and K-Hits. Oh, hi. Uh, hi, this is Rick Emerson over at AM 970. Hello. Hi, how uh, are you, Rick? Hi, you're on the air. Try not to swear. Okay, I'll try. Hey, uh, have, I, have I called third? This is third, yes. All right. KUPL and K-Hits. Okay, well, I guess that's not going to help because I was looking for somebody to bring us a bottle of clear nail polish. Clear nail polish, huh? Yeah, so this, is probably, this call probably isn't going to help me with that. Probably not. I am fresh out. And and also blocks and blocks away from me. All, all right, thank a little you. far. All right, yeah. thank you so much. Bye now. No problem. Okay. Bye bye. All right. So we call the coin tower. Well, that's so it doesn't go to kink. It goes over to the coin tower. Well, all right. That's too far. Well, this is a whole failed bit. We'll try again in a few we'll minutes. We'll find some. Here's Tim Riley. A federal communications commission in Washington D.C.
has proposed a $1.4 million fine against 52 ABC television network stations over a 2003 broadcast of the cop drama NYPD Blue. Isn't it always NYPD Blue? That's, that's the thing. It's always getting mm-hmm. fined. It's always Andy Sipowicz's ass. The finest for a scene where a boy surprises a woman as she prepares to take a shower. The scene depicted multiple close-up views of the woman's, quote, nude buttocks, <gasps> unquote. Oh, my buttocks? God. Not buttocks. Not buttocks. Not buttocks. Mm-hmm. And by the way, ABC is owned by the Walt Disney Company. The fines were issued, to our children. They were issued against 52 stations either owned or affiliated with the network. I wonder if that means K2 also. Ah, uh, that's a good question, actually. Mm. Well, yeah, and why are. only? Not that I'm suggesting the FCC fine even more people. Why only 52? Maybe they're the only ones that carry the program, for all I know. Well, that's true. Do you remember when NYPD first, NYPD Blue first went on the air? I think then the first episode of NYPD Blue have butt shots in it. It might. I think the very first episode showed Dennis Franz's butt, and there was a whole lot of like scandal about it and whatever. And it's it's amazing that in, like I guess it is in 2008 because that was several years ago. But we're still it's an ass for and plus doesn't NYPD Blue air at 10 o'clock at night? I believe so. Yes. Nah, it can't though. It can't air at 10 o'clock at night because maybe it's on earlier. Because between 10 and 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. of course the rules are different. Mm-hmm. Rules are different and then they change at 10 p.m. At 10 p.m., between 10 and 6, you can do all kinds of things you can't do before 10 p.m. Huh. Well, the agency said the show was indecent because it it depicts sexual organs and excretory organs, specifically a woman's buttocks. The agency rejects the network's arguments that the buttocks are not a sexual organ. Well, okay. Who knows? I hate to work blue here, but it's interesting, actually. It's NYPD blue. Wow. Uh, you know Tom Shales has already written something with that. Uh, NYPD, a little too blue for FCC. Uh, it even rhymes. Yes, it does. Uh, so uh, it's interesting, though, that ABC, first of all, would claim that the buttocks are not a sexual organ. And here's why that's interesting. Probably to most of America. I'm, I'm just saying... I guess I can see how they're trying to thread that needle. Like, I guess ABC is maybe, I, I can see maybe how, I mean, because they obviously don't want to pay the fine. Mm-hmm. So their lawyers are trying to come up with, like, any excuse possible. So it's just interesting for a government agency. <laughs> this is a really funny thing, actually, that right? in order to, in order to collect revenue, your federal government must go uh, on record as noting that buttocks can be used for a sexual purpose. It's just funny to me that, like, they're so desperate to get money and to make money off prudes that they, they like, want money so badly and they so badly want to enforce morality. And that's the really, that's the real irony here, because you know the people at the FCC are just completely puritanical, like, joyless missionary position prudes. Yes. And so these missionary position prudes in order to inflict their puritanism on everybody else, must acknowledge that the buttocks are a sexual organ. The buttocks are used for sexual fulfillment. I wonder if it pains them to do that. I wonder if they, I wonder if they really sat there and like pondered for a while about whether, they, whether to like t- admit that publicly for fear that it would make them look like heathens. God, we, live in a, we live in an effed up country. We really do. Yes. The FCC, their statement about that, it's just so creepy, the way they word it. Oh, yeah. They are big brother. I was just going to say, one step away from putting rats in your face. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Mm -hmm. I love big brother. 
Yes. Are you there? No. You. Yes. Yes, you are. Hey, let's talk about spam. Uh huh. Hey, you keep, you're not going to preserve it by spraying it with clear and air bullets. How do you know that? Have you ever done it? I I don't lie and say you've done it. Don't want to know. No, no, no. Don't want to know. I, it's food. It's food. Okay, it has but you to be can't just, Okay, you can't just say. How do you know? How do I know? How do you know you can't preserve spam by putting nail polish on it? Well, I know you can't use the spray lacquer stuff. Now. Okay. How do you know you can't preserve meat by putting lacquer on it? I don't uh, know. I've tried. Why? You're lying. You have, I, nev you have never put lacquer on meat. Well, yes, I put lacquer on spam. In what context have you ever put... expert. Hold on. In what context have you ever put lacquer on a meat product? No, not a meat product, spam. I have put lacquer on spam to try to preserve it. Okay, when? When? Oh, I probably a year ago. For what? what for, okay, for what purpose? My hobby. It's one of my hobbies. Hold on, hold on, hold on a second. Hold, hold, just hold on. You were going to put you on, just hang tight yeah, for a second. Yeah, put him on for a second. Do we feel like we're just like the, un the unwitting recipients of a bad comedy? I use morning show humor. Yeah, yes. like the way he's pushing through makes me seem like he doesn't really, like not stopping to talk about the spam right. fetish. If you had a spam fetish, you'd want to talk about it. I feel like, yes, I feel like, we, is this like a proving ground for something you're going to do with the improv later today? or? Uh, no, absolutely not. Okay. Well, thanks for calling. We appreciate it's it. A, it's just a one. The only way to preserve it is to refrigerate it. Okay. Trust me. Okay. See, but it will discolor. Once it's opened, it will discolor. See, now if you just said, like, you need to put it in the refrigerator. Less than an hour. God damn it, I had to hold it up. The pushing this fiction that you've somehow put lacquer on spam, which we know is a lie. You've never put lacquer on spam. Don't start again. You've, you've trust No. You know what I'm not going to do? I, I don't trust you on that. I appreciate your refrigeration uh, suggestion, but I I do believe Less you're than an hour. I do believe you're fibbing about the other thing, sir. Uh, no, sir, absolutely not. Spam is my life. It's one of my hobbies. See, no, no. I've done things with spam. That uh, yeah, right. see, you stop. Bye that. now. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. See, you knew it was going there. We just can't be a party to such things. No. I, no. Hello. I, <laughs> I haven't even. Jesus. Same guy. Hello. Ah, yes. Hello. Yes. Hello. Are you talking to me? Hello. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Yes. Hi. I can't believe I'm actually talking to you. It's such an honor. Well, thank you. What's up? Well, uh, that guy that was just talking about the lacquer. Yeah. He he's wrong. <laughs> No, really? Yes, he's wrong. Because it went with all his experience. Yeah, well, Jesus. he may have a lot of experience with spam, but I'm a lacquer expert. Uh-huh. And you can spray anything with lacquer, and it'll preserve it for forever. Forever? Forever. So take about three cans and spray it really good. You want to put about six or seven coats of lacquer on there, and, and that spam will, will be there until the earth dies. Okay, so... Boy, it's like melodramatic Monday. So, in what sense and how have you become a lacquer expert? I, I've been playing with lacquer since I was a child. I, I have a fascination with lacquer, too. It's fun to lacquer okay, things. Okay, but no, hold on a second. Please hold on a second, sir. Now, doesn't this guy sound like a twin of the last guy? The last guy, I'm a spam expert. I've Everyone's been playing with spam forever. This guy has been playing with lacquer since he was a child. <laughs> Are you uh, sure you're not the other guy or, like, another I, part of his brain calling us? I, 
Actually, I, I'm not, and right. I, I wouldn't really want to associate myself with anybody right. that played with Sam as yeah. long as he has. Okay, so you've been using lacquer uh, for a long time. Yes. What are some of the more interesting things you've lacquered, sir? Well, I've lacquered everything from uh, shoes to uh, hair. Uh, Why? I totally, you sound like me with silver pens. Uh, with those metallic pencils, I used to cover everything in them. Hair? Yes. Why would yes. you? Why? In what? What caused the hair? Why did the hair need to be lacquered, sir? Well, just it was the hair know, of to, Siamese twins. To preserve <laughs> it. Preserve it. Yeah, but you I know, mean, you always keep a little locket of hair. Well, when you spray it with the lacquer, it keeps the hair all in one place. You know how when you know when you know, you know they're trying to obtain pieces, voodoo power over that pretty girl at work. Pieces of hair flying everywhere. Wow. It stays right there. <laughs> how many bundles of hair would you say you have? <laughs> I've got. I've got about 12,000 bundles of hair that I've lacquered over the years. I collect people's hair. And, you know, a little snip here, a little snip there. Are you a hair bundle lacquer by trade? Are you currently calling from a prison? <laughs> no, I That's just... That's not I just, a no. I just, I just, I just recently uh, got out of 5C. Really? Yes. I know what that means. Do you? Uh, That's fantastic, but really, you can spray the lacquer, the spam, everybody that wants to do the contest. Let's get back to you spray. having all these bundles of hair. <laughs> are you are you winding us up? Do you really have a lot of hair? No, I've only got a little hair, really. Let me actually. ask you, okay, let's, we're going to start from the ground up here. Okay. Okay, we're going to do some simple yes or no questions, all right? Okay, we will. All right. Do you or do you not have more than one, quote, little bundle of hair that you have lacquered. Yeah, I have three. You have three individual bundles of hair that you have preserved with lacquer. Yes. Are these bundles of hair from three different people? Yes, they are. Are these people all women? Yes. How do you know that? Oh, call it a hunch. <laughs> but the great thing is, is the spam will... will be preserved with uh, several coats of lacquer. Uh huh. The the spam guy was just really too far out there. Yes, that guy was crazy. That guy, was. that guy who lacquered spam, he sounded a little unstable. I think so. <laughs> but I applaud you guys. Uh, I enjoy listening to you every day, and me, uh, just, I would would highly promote yeah. anybody that has never listened to you guys to start listening. Uh, to make their day. You should spread the word to the other people at 5C, sir. I I'm going to do that. Hey, sir. by the way, just as a side note, uh, do you have your eye on any other bundles of hair you wish to add to your collection? Well, I was thinking uh, Tim Riley would be nice. <laughs> have fun riding the Max, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think Bye it's now. Along. <laughs> Thank you. There you go. Thanks, thanks, oh, sir. Geez. <laughs> I have nowhere to go after that. I. Uh... Huh? <laughs> wow. I think we. I think we should go to break after that. How'd you get all that hair? <laughs> it could be the same guy. <laughs> Damn! Wow! Oh, Jesus! Well. It is a rich tapestry of humanity out there. Something exceptionally odd about today's program. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Show. I can't go to school because I ain't got a gun.
Hi, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Now, this is a good question. This guy says about the spam sculpture. Can you use toothpicks to join things together, or do you have to make it cut to fit? That's a good question. Like if you were going to build, like, walls. Huh. Can you use toothpicks to keep the walls together? Now, I, don't take my word for this, because I would have to check. My gut reaction would be yes, as long as they're not visible. In other words, if they did not add uh, aesthetic uh, augmentation to the structure. In other words, so if, the, if the toothpicks are used just to hold it together or for support but cannot be seen, I would say yes. I would say the toothpicks or a similar item can be used for purposes of structural support only. Uh, but the, the, when you're looking at the structure, when you're looking at the actual spam sculpture, uh, you, you can't be able to see any of it. So like... Um, so, like, you couldn't use toothpicks if they were hoping to create a design of some kind, uh, like, uh, visually. But I, uh, to hold things together, my gut sense is, my, I'd have to read the rules, but I think my gut sense is, yeah, you can use those as long as you can't see them. Uh, so, uh, yeah, but uh, refer to 970.am for official rules. Uh, let's see here. Rick. Uh, well, somebody's saying spray it with hairspray. That's what they use to preserve food in display cases. See, that was my first thought was Aquanet mm-hmm. uh, on that, because that'll, that, I mean, that'll, that'll preserve anything. Yeah, I mean, you could use that. Somebody has to have hairspray or something. We just did an all-call for clear nail polish. Totally. Now, we went, during the break just now, we went up to the uh, to, de- to the office, and we were asking all the female employees, do you have uh, clear nail polish? Uh, and uh, nobody did, so we asked Dave to do, like, one of those. Um, if anybody in the office has clear nail polish, so somebody may or may not be bringing that down here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Is it me? Yes, it is, sir. Oh, Hello. Okay. Hi. Hey, uh, the reason that uh, ABC only got fined for 52 of their stations. Yeah is that those 52 stations are in the Central or Mountain Standard Times, where they play at 9 o'clock. Oh, that, okay, that does make sense, actually. Interesting. Because, yeah, because obviously, as I said, between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m., the rules are more lax. But those are uh, outside that uh, that time frame. Okay, that, that makes that makes sense, actually. All right. And excellent. one more thing. Yes. Can I use the mold that grows on my stem in my sculpture? Well, I suppose as, you, as long as you don't actively put the mold there. Darn I mean, you know, in other words, like if you, if it's just there and the mold happens to grow, then I suppose that, uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I don't think you could actually go out of your way to make mold on it, though. No. Yeah, but can I move the mold around? I would say no. I would no. say the mold has to be there in its, in its, you know, in its origination state. Well, that blows my idea. Yeah. All right. Thank you. All right. This guy says, Rick, how come they can show babies' asses in diaper commercials? Because the government doesn't know what they're talking about, and they don't make any sense, sir. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, just, uh, all right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? I have a question for you about the FCC. I've uh, been curious about this for a long time now. Yes, sir. And I figure since you're uh, in the business, maybe you could help me out with an answer. Okay. Why is it that they will allow you to say certain words like poop or caca, but not the S word, when they all mean the same thing. Well, because, again, because they're sort of arbitrary and because because they kind of just make stuff up as they as they go along. That's really the, that's really the short answer for it, sir. So it's just kind of a floating rule then. Yes. No, it is. It's. I mean, obviously there are certain things that they say are flat out, like, you know, flat out you can't say. Right. Uh, but there are certain things that are perceived to be uh, to be soft. In other words, relatively innocuous or harmless or euphemisms, and then there are other things that are considered over the line. And so, there, and while there is no uh, 
people think that there's a list of seven dirty words and that there isn't. There is no list. But there is a sort of unofficial list of things that you just know you can't do. Um, but, yeah, there is a lot of gray area, though. You're right. So yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry to be sorry to like not help you at all, but welcome to our world. Well, you cleared it up a little bit. All right. Thank right. you. So I'm going to go home and shellac my meat now. Perfectly, perfectly allowable. <laughs> that was great. Uh-huh. That's the best ending to a call we've had all day. Well done, sir. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello, Rick. You're just going to encourage everybody else. Uh, anyway, um, oh, as far as the toothpicks on and spam, yeah, I read the rules and I say nay, nay. Uh, going yeah. on to the next subject. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay, helps. All right. I, I was just thinking, I just call back to an earlier uh, incident Tim had. Think you'll ever hear on the Max? Hey, where did you get that Tim Riley hair? Wait, what? I don't. Is this? I'm sorry. Is you this... remember when that guy says went to Tim? He says, "Tim Riley, where did you get all that hair?" Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just wondering if our hair lacquer dude is out there. Tim, yeah, Tim better wear a hat or uh, dye his hair, maybe. Or else someone will come up to him and say, where did you get that Tim no, Riley hair? It, no. The, if the dude gets the hair, somebody might say, where did you get all that Tim, Tim Riley, Riley hair? hair? That's what I thought, yes. Okay. Ow. Mm-hmm. Were you trying to play something there? No. Oh. No, I was just waiting for him to hang up. I uh, just, yeah. <laughs> Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Sometimes Hello. I just don't even have the energy to reach for the button. Yes. Is this me? Yeah. Yes, it is. Hi. I have a quick uh, a threefold flurry. Um, first, your rules say spam and only spam. Uh, does it not say spam and the can in which it came? I don't believe so. It says spam and only spam. All right. I'm not. Uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to check with Susan on this. Yes. Secondly, <clears throat> I was driving back from Seattle this morning, and I'm you know furiously hoping to get your show as soon as possible, and I can pick up your show at Aberdeen. Really? Uh, well, that's actually, I've noted that um, uh, I like uh, near Chehalis, and then, in fact, the last time I drove to Seattle, I don't know if it was Aberdeen, but it was somewhere I was getting close to Seattle, and it was, you know, it was staticky. It wasn't like it was crystal right. clear, but I was I was actually really impressed with how far I was able uh, to get the station heading that way, yeah. Well, I, was, I, had just, I had just started getting the staticky version of your show, and what do I see to my left but a log truck accident? Oh, really? Oh, at the very time I, I pick up your show. It's like we made it happen. Oh, God. who knows? Yeah. And my last bit is, is a piece of Lewis and Clark trivia, okay? Okay. Deal with this. And I'm not kidding you. I'm not pulling your leg on this at all. The na- There's a famous dog that went with them all the way to the Pacific Ocean and back. It was um, Meriwether Lewis's dog, and his name was, no kidding, Seaman. Of course it was. Yeah, I'm not even. Uh, no, no, no. I, I believe. Take my life on this. I, no, no, no. I believe you. I, I believe you. That does sound. That sounds like one of those silly things, though, that is also true. So no, I, I do believe that. So. And try reading that with a straight face to a group of fourth graders when you're teaching about Lewis and Clark. It's just, <laughs> it's just wrong in about eight different ways. Excellent. Are you a teacher? Yeah, I am. <laughs> Excellent. All, All right. right. Thank Have you, my day. friend. Bye. Bye now. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hi. Hey. Um, I just wanted. To... Wanted to cash in here on the whole uh, uh, applying lacquers to, to uh, meat in yes. general. Uh, I, I do furniture repair, and I know this is—I know nobody gives a crap about about making meat all nice and shiny and stuff at this point. But uh-huh. uh, there's no way you can put lacquer on. on well, you could. You're just saying that well, it you wouldn't can, work. But it, won't, it won't do anything. Well, it, are you saying it would have no effect at all, or it simply wouldn't preserve? It would have it would have basically zero effect because there's way too much moisture in it. This is like that uh, show. Will it blend? We're asking. Yeah. Will it preserve? Hey, let me ask you this as a side note. Do you watch the? Do you watch? Of course, I can tell just by talking to you. You probably watch MythBusters. 
Oh, yeah, of course. Have you watched that new show, Smash Lab? Uh, I've seen the previews. I Dude. Uh, I haven't. I mean, I've set the TV. I don't, has it actually started yet? Because I, I all, it's like I only ever see the commercials for it. I've That's never actually I've seen. seen it. So I'm just. I wonder if that Smash Lab show is actually airing. If somebody knows that, uh, call in because I want to know. I guess I could actually just check the TV guide or whatever. But uh, uh, that Smash Lab show, which just looks like the best show ever, and you kind of wonder if the MythBusters guys get a little incensed about that. Like you, you wonder because those shows are all. Um, those shows are all sort of living in the house that MythBusters built, you know. Well, yeah, maybe they'll put like a potato launcher at them. Or oh something. man! And wouldn't you like to see an all-out war between those shows, like the Smash Lab show versus the MythBusters oh, show? Um, yep. Anyway, uh, so you're saying that there's too much moisture in the spam for the yeah. lacquer to preserve it? <laughs> yeah, to get technical, it's, it's called blushing. The lacquer will just turn white and won't, it won't cure. Mm. Well, let me ask you this then: uh, what with maybe your limited spam knowledge? I mean. Does it, here's the dumb question. Does anybody know spam goes bad? I mean, I think it would because, contrary to its bad image, I think spam is actually real meat. I don't think it's like well, it's not it like a fake processed meat or anything. I think it's just canned. It starts bad, but but yeah, it's all. I, I mean, it's not like spray cheese or something. Like spray cheese is like fake. That's that's not a real. I mean, it's fake food. But I think spam is actually. I don't think it's a fake meat. I think it's real. It just happens to be in a can like tuna fish. Yeah, but it's not the prime pieces. No, but I mean. But I mean, it, in other words, but what, I guess what I'm saying is, it's not like a uh, meat food, or you know what I mean. You know, like you know, like you get like ch spray cheese food, or you know, food that is like tastes like but isn't really whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think spam is that. I think spam is actual real pork. It'll probably get rotten. And it's yeah, <laughs> rotten. Rotten. Uh, but it's <laughs> simply put in a can. So I wonder if I, I just wonder if you would even need to lacquer it. I guess my quite long way of asking: if you just put it out at room temperature, what's gonna? Is it just gonna go bad right away? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I think the only thing you could possibly do to it would be to plasticize it like they did with the corpses and body works. We need to get Gunder von Hagen. That's totally it. We yeah. totally need to do it. I wonder, if, okay, here's a question, and this maybe is a, a real simple answer. What if people just froze it? That seems like it yeah, would work. That would, that would be the best way to do it. Definitely. And then they bring it in, and worst case scenario, it thaws a little bit while it's in here with us. But if, if you just froze the spam... Or froze the sculpture, you know that that might be a good way to keep because if it's if it is real meat, and if it's a, if it's largely uh, if it's very moist, it seems like it ought to, you just freeze it and it'll you know it'll or stay. Would you, would you be allowed to deep fry it? Hmm. Uh, maybe. I mean, as long as it doesn't change the sort of comp composition of it. Yeah, you wouldn't be adding anything to it. You just. That's a fair point. If you deep fry it, that will I mean that that'll sort of keep it from going bad right away. Yeah, or or at least make it a pretty golden brown. Yeah, we're going to have to uh, get some clarification on Susan's, from Susan on some of these rules. All right, thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, bye now. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, how you doing, Rick? Hey, what's up? Hey, uh, to uh, clarify that gentleman's point, yes, it is um, impossible to put lacquer on spam. There is definitely way too much moisture, which gets me to my next question. Uh -huh. Can I uh, get a dehumidifier? A dehydrator. In other words, can you dry the spam? Can I take the moisture out of the spam, which would make it more sturdy and apt to be uh, carved a little bit? Better? I would say so because you're not yeah, adding anything not to adding it. Anything you're to not adding anything. You're not. Yeah. You're, exactly. You're, it's. I mean, look. If we allow people to cook it, which we are, that answer. Right. By the way, that goes to the guy's last answer about deep frying. That guy's question. If if uh, if we are uh, you know, if we are allowing people to cook it, deep frying and dehydrating, I would say, fall into the realm of cooking. Yes. Okay, cool. That's yeah. great. And uh, Smash Live is a good show. Oh, it's, 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 now is it actually on? Yeah, uh, they've had two episodes already. And so is now what? What are they now? If you guys haven't seen Smash Lab, 
It's, they they preview it all the time during myth bust myth, myth busters. Right, yeah, it's similar on that line. They basically um, it's just it's like an excuse just to break stuff, right? Well, uh, they try to better humanity by uh-huh. by uh, proving and disproving things or uh, making things better. Like uh, they had a house, they built a frame of a house, and it was two by fours versus uh, Kevlar line two by fours, and the Kevlar. Line two by four stood up to uh, 150 mile an hour winds. Or and the, yeah, like. they did that once, like a hurricane proof house. Oh, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, Excellent. So. All right, I totally got to watch that. All right, thank you. Okay, you're welcome. Right, have you ever? Thank you, sir. Have you ever seen that uh, Will It Blend, Sarah? Mm-mm. Totally a guy thing, but you might like it too. It's like this blending company. They make these huge, like, industrial kitchen blenders. And as like the promotional thing, they just do this. Uh, they do these online videos. Called it's like with the knives that cut the penny. Yeah, Will It Blend, and it's like they'll just take random crap. And the guy's like, but the question is, will it blend? And so, like, at one point, he did, like, a handful of marbles. Blend. Did it blend? Oh, yeah. It becomes, like, this powder. It's insane. He blended an iPhone. Um, it's like, you know, the iPhone does blah, 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 blah. But will it blend? <laughs> and they put it in there, blend it, and they just reduced it to, like, a charcoal powder. It is, it's, like, the best thing ever. They did a, I think they did a will it blend with, like, a car, where they had, like, a huge industrial thing, and they put, like, a Cadillac or something will in it. Will it blend? That is... Oh, it is, like, the best thing you've ever it's, seen yeah, in your like life. It's, like, the dumbest slash most genius thing it's ever. wonderful. Yeah, will it blend? Uh, all right, let's see here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson. Yeah, okay. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Yeah, um... As far as the spam and just meat in general, yeah. um, they're probably going to have to build it in front of you because otherwise um, it'll go bad somehow, even if you put it you know, saturated in lacquer. Or well, we were, we were noting, I think if you freeze it, though, that's going to be, if you freeze, look, I mean, you put turkey in the freezer, you can keep it for 10 years. So if you put the spam sculpture in the freezer, I think you'll be good. Yeah, but can you stick a whole Death Star um Theoretically speaking, yes. Uh, Well, that that's a fair point. Actually, somebody asked that. Well, what if it's a really big uh, uh, sculpture? These are all boy. The logistics of this, or you wouldn't think a spam sculpting contest. And then we have to do a whole. It's cold outside now, so I mean. That's a good point. You can just stick it in your backyard. Look at that. Keep it away from wildlife. Put a little fence. That's a good point. It rarely gets above freezing these days. And I mean, at or about freezing, you could totally preserve this. By yeah, sticking but then it out you have to shed. worry about the wild animals and stuff like that coming around. You know, you have to kill the possums and stuff, and you have to stay up all night killing them. Keep them away from the spam. What is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> and there's all that but, hair to be collected. Oh, that, yeah. my hair bubble. No, my point is, though, it, all meat has bacteria in it, and there is, uh, short of freezing it, you will not be able to keep it. That's true. That's all why right. they put an expiration date on the label. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Hey, Richie, can you do me a favor? Can you bring that can of Spam in here? Thank you. <laughs> I just watched a Will It Blend on... What, where were they blending? Will It Blend? That... Um, an iPhone. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, can you just... I know this will... I, I'm this trying to fast-forward it. I know this it. won't work on the air, but we should totally just play the audio of him blending the iPhone. All right. Yeah, you go. go to YouTube and just put in Will It Blend. Here's the instant replay. Yeah. That's just a regular blender? Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it's like it's a top-of-the-line blender, but it's not, like, specially made or anything. It just goes, it blends it into a fine powder. Yeah, isn't that cool? It just becomes like a charcoal powder. <gasps> it's black. Yeah, how, like, gra- how great is that? And he's just sitting there. You know, he's like the coolest guy. He's like, he's like your uncle or something. 
It's High smoking. smoke. Don't breathe this. He's totally just some like guy like your dad or something, you know? He's like a cool Uncle Dave. Now, you fans on YouTube have asked me to blend an iPhone. So I did it. But I have another. How cool is that? Yeah, he just... The first one I saw was when he blends a bunch of marbles. Which, like, you would never think of that. And then he doesn't... Gone. Just blend it all to hell. It's the coolest thing. So weird. Uh, Well, let's uh, take a break. We come back, we'll look at the ingredients on the spam. Are you going to open the spam? Maybe. Is this a gift from Scotty? Did Scotty leave this for us? I don't think... I don't think Where did we get this? I think he was probably going to eat it. Hmm. I know he left the uh, chili and Fritos uh, for Richie. I think... As his legacy. Well... Because remember how Scotty would say that that was like his Latin dish. I'm eating Mexican today. And it was like bad canned chili with like chili cheese Fritos shoved into it. And I do believe he might have thought that Richie was Mexican. I'm not positive about that. But I think there's a better than average chance he thought that Richie was of Latin descent. Anyway, back after this, the Rick Emerson Show. Busy posting with the Willis Land spam uh, on my site. I'll be up here in a few minutes. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth, it's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Northwest Serial Killers are featured in a new board game. Sweet. The Serial Killers trivia game features Ted Bundy, the Green River Killer, and Spokane Serial Killer Robert Yates. The game places the players in the middle of some of the most notorious cases of our time with a roll of a dice. You could land on the victim's home, and once you do that, you would grab a trivia card and attempt to answer it correctly in order to claim the victim. This, the, game, like, awful. the game, like any other board game, involves... Like only, any other board game. <laughs> like any other board game, involves moving player pieces around the board and coming across a variety of scenarios. But the scenarios in the serial killer game involve killing. How about the BTK Strangler? It stands for blind, uh, blind killer and torture. So if you torture. get the question right, you would claim one of these victims, the little baby. The plastic cover, the plastic babies are color coded to match the killer or player who claims them. Okay, I feel bad about saying sweet earlier. <laughs> really? Uh huh. Okay. The is this game, game made by somebody here? Yeah, someone named Ryan Hobson. I can go to his website here. Let's let's all go to his website. RyanHobson.com. I'm, I'm putting up this Will It Blend. Let's all, let's all take a gander at this. In honor of our spam contest. Let's see. So far, I'm getting design, illustration, personal, 3D, and resume. Is it H-O-B-S-O-N? Yes. H-O-B-S-O-N. RyanHobson.com. Uh, let's I'm all visit his website. It's, it's loading slowly. Yes, of mine. Well, that's going on. Let me tell you about California Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, apparently the taxpayers are spending nearly $38 million a year on security for the governor. Like, he can't protect himself. $38 million. Uh, just five years ago, when Gray Davis was still in office, the cost was under $15 million. The CHP is tasked to protect the state's top officials, and when they don't want to discuss specifics, they do say that Schwarzenegger's celebrity status and the history of political assassinations in his wife Maria Shriver's family seem to warrant heightened security. I'm still waiting for this thing to load. I'm about to give up. So this is this is the guy's uh, website who created the yeah. serial killer game? Mm-hmm. All right. And he lives in Portland? 
The, no, it, somewhere in the northwest. Somewhere in the northwest. It doesn't say exactly. Well, you know, the northwest, there is like a weird... Uh, oh, Seattle, probably. I would imagine. There is a weird serial killer thing here. The northwest does have more than its share of serial killers, I would think. Yeah. Uh, because there was, yeah, there was the, the, the ace guy Seattle. in Spokane. Bundy uh, mm-hmm. came through here, obviously. Uh, we had the Green River Killer, who I think actually holds the American record. I could be wrong about that. Mm-hmm. But I think, uh, I think Green River Killer the, is the American record holder. Um, seems like I'm leaving somebody out. Seems like I'm forgetting somebody. Well, it's California. Manson doesn't really count, though. No. And that was in California, regardless. That's California. That's Hollywood yeah. stuff. Yeah, I suppose. Um, all right. Let's see. I, oh, if you go to um, rickemerson.com, I've just posted the uh, Will It Blend uh, Spam Edition. Uh, which so you can gross. see. It, I, it's, it's really cool. He does the, ca- the spam in the can with a couple of eggs, too. So there you go. You see that at rickemerson.com. Here's Tim Riley. Well, returning home after an absence can mean unpleasant surprises. A leaky roof, a pet's mess, even a break gun. But a Russian woman got a nastier surprise when she came home from her country house. Her home was gone, torn down mistakenly by construction workers clearing the site. There's nothing left, not even a log. Local prosecutors say a construction company tore down the wrong building instead of the one nearby. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. She came home and her house had been demolished? This is Russia. Uh, many Russians have faced uh, what they say are unfair and inadequately compensated evictions from older housing tracks being torn down amid the country's oil revenue-fueled construction boom. Uh, this case is extreme, however, and she's going to court. She refuses the builder's offer of money, saying it isn't enough to even get a room on the outskirts of Moscow. Uh, so, yeah, that's that. Jesus. Demolished by the Volgans to make way for an intergalactic bypass. Uh, I'm looking at this. Uh, there's a recipe for spam barbecued kebabs on oh, the back here. that does sound tasty. <laughs> it says here, warning, delicious. <laughs> uh... This recipe is so easy, Tim. Anyone can make it. You don't need a Ph.D. in rocket science. Did ac- spam kebab? It actually says, yes. Or 100 years of cooking experience. Or even a fancy hat. The ingredients are few and the process is simple. The result is yummy, Tim Riley. That's the secret of spam. It also notes that spam is ready to eat hot or cold. Uh, imagine eating cold spam. Let's see here. So I'm looking. Let's see. Ingredients. Wait, I don't think they list the ingredients. <laughs> the ingredients are a mystery. Well, they have to put the ing- Oh, here we go. Ingredients, pork. Now, I don't understand. What what does this mean? Ingredients, pork with ham. What does that mean? Pork with ham? Isn't ham pork? <laughs> That's what it's I like thought. It's like where you get things with chicken and it's with rib meat. Like how they kind of fill. In most of the things, like any of like the Lean Cuisine things or anything that you that. You or I eat. What, when you say chicken with, with rib meat, what does that it's mean? It's like filler meat. But, I mean, is it from a chicken? I don't know. <laughs> oh, here we go again. This No, when it says, okay, chicken with rib meat. I always assumed it was from a different, like, filler animal. <laughs> it's like a special amorphous, an animal that's just a, a ball Here's with a big feet. meatball animal. <laughs> just a lump with legs. What's that? That's a filler animal. <laughs> Will it blend? Jesus, and then they just use that to fill the chicken? Because it says chicken with rib meat. Is the chicken empty? Why won't they? Why didn't they just fill with more chicken? I don't know. Chicken should be filled with chicken. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I have to Google that phrase. Chicken with rib meat. Hold on. Chicken with rib meat. I don't like even... I'm sure... Let me look at my... I don't even know what that means. Okay, here we go. All right. Oh, this is about a recall. Indiana Firm recalls frozen stuffed chicken entrees. Ingredients, chicken breast with rib meat. There you go. Broccoli and cheese. 
Well, I don't understand. <laughs> okay, I, by the way, Sarah, I Googled the phrase chicken with rib meat. The top, like, 50 results are all, like, for listeria and E. coli. Oh. So that's interesting. Does it say chicken with rib meat on there? Not on this one, but I know because this is a eating right, but the lean cuisine ones are always, like, chicken with rib meat. This is cooked white rice, water, chicken breast tenderloins. Here we go again. Chicken with a chicken patty with rib meat. Well, that wouldn't be ribs from, like, pork, would it? It could be from any animal, really. You guys want to eat this stuff. You're taking your chances. <laughs> I suppose. Here's Tim Riley. Well, have you heard that the uh, Dixie chick Marty McGuire is expanding her family? The musician, the magician, the magician. Who sings. And now for my next act, a child <laughs> will come out of my vagina. She tells People magazine <laughs> that she and her husband, Gareth McGuire, a professor, are expecting their third child. She, like, puts a little curtain in front of it. They have uh, nearly a four-year-old, uh, a twin daughter, Eve, <laughs> and uh, the other one is Kathleen. I actually quit for the day here. 38-year-old, she only has one twin daughter. Uh, a 38-year-old McGuire says that the new she is a girl, and uh, she's very excited. She also says she's feeling good right now after suffering some morning sickness. Uh, so I'm sorry to hear that. Her sister Emily and Natalie make up the rest of the Grammy Award-winning country group, the Dixie Chicks. Excellent. A duck hands on a fishing vessel in Australia had to cut off the head of a shark after it latches jaws onto a man's leg. Uh, the Sydney creepy. Morning Herald said the shark was uh, shark <laughs> was more than three yards long. How you doing, Teddy? And has been uh, hauled around during a fishing expedition. A 20-year-old man from Sydney stepped on the shark's tail, and it whipped its head around and clamped its jaws oh. on the man's calf. Are you kidding uh, me? Biting right down to the bone. And it was already out of the water, and they thought it was dead? Mm -hmm. That sharks are evil. You step on their tail, and that head just comes around. Oh, Jesus. No, nobody likes sharks. No. I mean, I think hands had to behead the shark to free the man. He's in stable condition. Oh. I mean, how freaky is that, first of all, that the shark was already it was up on deck, and they'd been carrying it around for, like, a day? Yeah. It had been out of the water for, like, a whole day. Mm -hmm. They step on the, on the tail. It, quote, whips around and bites down to the bone and they had to cut off his head man the sharks are they're they're flat out satanic they're not right they're evil hey by the way speaking well never mind that's enough we've, we've had enough creepy things for one day you know i was so happy i brought in that new pen and i've lost it it's fallen that on the is floor. too bad but it's on the floor somewhere well, okay, but you drop things Ew, don't the... touch the floor but well i mean but even if i you drop things in the floor here and they're gone forever because this place is so dimly lit, it's like a cavern. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. So I'm, these all just say chicken with rib meat. And it doesn't clarify. Yeah, I'm looking at these blogs, and there's like, people were asking, like, what chicken with rib meat was, and people were like, that reminds me of when Jessica Simpson asked is a tuna chicken fish of the or sea chicken tuna. Of... <laughs> well, but, that, but that's like the spam where it says pork ingredients, colon, pork with ham. Pork with ham. <laughs> I don't even know what that, that makes no sense. And I know that people are going to accuse us of being another Siamese twins joined at the hair thing here, and that today we're dumb and don't. But that that this really honestly pork, makes. It, Tim, do you get it? Is no. it ham, pork? Aren't they both ham pig? Is pork. Ham is pork. Pork maybe is ham. Pork is a maybe they're two different parts of the pig. I don't think that's true. Well, it's like asking for cow steak. Yeah, that's exactly what it would be like. It would be like steak with cow. That would make no sense at all. Chicken with fowl. Maybe somebody Ford wrote that. Uh, maybe no. I think it's it? I think it's made in America, Tim. Ingredients: pork with ham, <laughs> salt, water, potato starch, sugar, sodium nitrate. All things being equal, pretty healthy. See, that's what I mean. It's not fake meat. It's a, it's a little, it's puzzling meat, uh, but it's not fake. I mean, it, 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 that's why I think you will have to refrigerate this. Uh, well, let's see. Maybe these people know. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Do you know what pork with ham means? Yeah. Well, ham is a certain cut of pork that has been cured. Where pork is just raw pig. 
Cured ham with raw ham. So they have some leftover ham lying around, and they take it over <laughs> the leftover pork and mix it all together and spam. Well, bam! Is that like a contraction of Shazam? <laughs> it's like bam, only spam. I've been looking for a one-syllable phrase to punctuate my wit with. Maybe I'll use spam. <laughs> um, one warning I had for you. You're talking about freezing it. Yeah. If you're gonna freeze, you gotta. If I think, if you're gonna freeze it, you gotta freeze it to start with, and then carve it or shape it. Why? If you shape it and freeze it, you're gonna have a couple problems. First of all, it's different kind of chops of meat together, uh-huh. so they're gonna expand at different rates, and the water in them's gonna expand. So, so you're saying the whole structural integrity of the sculpture may not look be, the same, and then when risk. it, and then if you thaw it out, you're gonna lose the water that was kind of keeping it puffy in there, and well. It's, water, but mostly it's cytoplasm in the cells. When you freeze it, the cell membrane will break down and all the goo inside the cell will start oozing out. This sounds so appetizing right now. I I can't wait to have myself a big heaping bowl of cytoplasm. That's wonderful. Great. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Hi. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey there. I'd just like to see if I could help out your spam artist or your artist. Um, if you... Meet the Spartists. Some, yes. Exactly. If you say, okay, say the lacquer doesn't work because it's too moist, uh-huh. what if you use a well, hair think... dryer or a hair uh, uh, heat gun on the meat first to dry out the edges, not the inside of the edges, and then, then lacquer it at I, that point? Can I just interject here to say I really do love this audience? And, I, I mean, really, I, it's like the other, like a few calls ago when I was talking to that guy, and I said that I could just tell by his tone of voice that he watched Mythbusters and Smash Lab. That really is that really is what's great about this audience. I, it, it does not surprise me at all that we are actually putting this much legitimate, genuine thought into how to preserve a sculpture made out of spam. So you're saying a heat gun like the kind you use to melt things with. Right. And I'm taking that from commercial photography, I'm sorry, food photography experience. So when you see a picture of a turkey, the inside, if you cut it down the middle, this cross-section, uh-huh. it's frozen on the middle. So whenever you see a, tur- a photograph of a turkey, it's not a cooked turkey, it's a frozen turkey heated on the outside to brown it to make it look like it's so it doesn't fall apart under the lights in the studio. I always assumed that they painted the turkey. Uh, I know yeah. that sounds stupid, but I always assumed that they took the turkey and like and put like a brown paint on it to simulate, you know, yeah, like I mean, what... It... You could do that, but no, they usually use a heat gun to actually brown it to actually look like it's an actual cooked turkey, but in fact it's just a frozen core. I remember reading once, uh, there was an HBO special for kids when I was growing up about what they did to make food look appetizing. I remember seeing that like uh, when you see uh, like breakfast cereal advertised on television sitting in the bowl, that it's actually not milk, it's Elmer's glue uh, because right. milk looks bad when you film it. It doesn't look like milk and so they use glue because only glue looks like milk strangely enough. So I don't know what that has to do with what I just said, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Honed. All right. Thank you. Caller you for the right, win. Though. All right. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> Jesus. Man, you just got bitch slapped. What's wrong with people today. All right. We're gonna take a break. Tim Riley, have you more news later on in the day? Yes. <laughs> Back at four, five, six, and seven. Top of the hour, all the way through. Like us, Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the world. Well, we'll be back after this. Stay there. Well, this guy sent me a graph, a, a pork graph, that helps me not at all. 
So he sent me this graph of a pig. And I have no choice but to believe that this is true. It's like that graph that Wiley Coyote looks at when he's explaining the different parts of the Roadrunner. So there's the head, shoulder, arm shoulder, spare rib, side, loin, and leg. This is so this is a pig labeled in all its different component cuts. Now here the only problem with that is none of those are pork or ham or whatever. So when it says pork with ham, that's not this helps me not at all. Uh, so I so I have no choice but to believe that the Hormel people or whoever it is that makes Hormel that they have access to some secret kind of meat that no one else does. Now here's another one. Uh, we'll get these. How long do we have here? Are we a couple minutes? Yeah, a couple minutes. All right. So somebody else here says. By the way, Rick, spam doesn't freeze. Just so you know, I watched a Ra- this is from a man, by the way. Says I watched a Rachel Ray show where she traveled to Alaska, and the people in Alaska like spam because it doesn't freeze. Well, why would that just doesn't make any sense? Why wouldn't it? Fr- that's like a will it blend? Will it freeze? Why wouldn't it freeze? Never mind. Higher uh, on. The- I mean, it would- even if it didn't freeze, though, it doesn't really need to freeze as such. In fact, it would from what the last guy said because of. The cytoplasm issue, it seems like it would be better if it didn't freeze, if it simply was cold enough to preserve. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, hi, Rick. I was able to actually set up a little experiment. I have some spam here and some lacquer. So I, I've, I've created a little ball, and I can actually drop the ball of spam into the lacquer, give you an, uh, tell you what immediately happens. You are the coolest person ever. All awesome. right. Okay, so drop it in, and then can we check back with you tomorrow? Yeah, I'll do some time-lapse photography, and, <gasps> and then... You are, so, you are so cool. Do we have anything we can give him? Do you want to pass to Rambo? Uh, yeah, do you want to go see Rambo? Um, actually, no. Do you know somebody who would? N- not really. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but, but thanks for the offer. Would you like to see a movie in which The Rock uh, reunites with the young daughter he never knew he had and learns ballet? You know, I think I think that, that dropping meat into a household type substance... Its own reward. It's all, it's all the rewards yeah. that I, I will need. Okay, so, uh, all right, uh, when, when we're done here, I'm going to put you on hold and Richie will get your contact info. Okay. All right, so go. So drop the, the spam into the lacquer, sir. Okay, it'll just be a moment. Hold on. All right. All right. Here we go. I'm dropping it now. <laughs> Wait, have we been? Have we? Is, is this like an elaborate? Is it the I'm gonna eat your soul guy? I don't know. I wondered if he was doing the. Uh, see, now, now I'm irritated. I thought that was. I thought he was really helping us out there. Oh no, it's okay. We'll do it ourselves, and it'll be even a greater reward. At the end, was he? Wait, was he doing a Cloverfield thing? <gasps> Explosion, and then like a little. <laughs> Yeah, I heard it help me. <laughs> I think he was. I think he was giving us. Uh, I think he was giving us a little Cloverfield deal there. All right, final call of the day. Don't suck. Uh, I can't guarantee that the last guy just stole my thunder. It's all on he you, sir. This oh, is going to be like the last God, ten the minutes of SNL. Yeah. I just had a thought hearing about all this spam talk, and you uh, uh-huh. have always said you want get the whomp ready. Always said you mm. wanted a good name for your rock band. How about the Spartans, formerly known as Rick? No, I'm that's, sorry. No, that's no good. All right, bye-bye. Bye. All right. I have no end of show clip. I'm sure we can find something. All right. Oh, I got it. Okay. Uh, anywho, uh, we're in the next scene on radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Uh, join us tomorrow on the Rick Emerson Show, and our guests will include somebody, whoever, and Joan Embry from the San Diego Zoo. Uh, Rick Emerson Show, produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM970, Solid State Radio, a proud part of the CBS Radio family, the Tiffany Network. Uh, Tim Riley in the newsroom, Richie Bristol on the phones, Dave Zinn is the gatekeeper, Bridget from upstairs is our imagerist, and uh, Susan Reynolds is the CBS Radio Portland marketing guru. Like us next, Don and Mike at 7. I'll uh, see you tomorrow at 11. Thank you for listening. Don't let the master down. Watch out for snakes.
Be safe. Bye now.